1: When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com.
4: The TalkSport fan network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win. Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast, fueled by Guinness, powered by celery. Uh, certainly not uh, aided or assisted by bloody technology, uh, but <laughs> it, I would say it is definitely definitely the show that has often been unsettled by a dodgy Chinese takeaway. Mm. Uh, what a week. At first, we get the most momentous news most of us have experienced in our lifetime. For anything really, let alone Chelsea. But uh, anyway, planning permission approved for the redevelopment of Stamford Bridge. And then, with Chelsea riding the crest of a wave and glory bound again, it all gets derailed by news that star striker Costa has had a bust up with Conte over a possible move to China for peanuts. Well, 600 grand a week to be fair. And then on Sunday, With Chelsea's title hopes in shreds, according to the media, they put together a superb away performance and win against Leicester to go seven points clear at the top. And even more miraculous, Alonso scores two and could have had a hat-trick. Such is the life of a Chelsea supporter. Glorious unpredictability indeed. Uh, And uh, I am nothing if not gloriously unpredictable, because I am Stanford Chidge, and the name of tonight's show is the Chelsea fancast. The cost of everything and the value of nothing. I shall let you That's muse excellent. on that very clever title for the show tonight. <laughs> you very, very, very clever. clever. You're a clever There boss, we go. Maybe. See, the, the, the thing I love doing about this show every week, because the people that I get on here, they know when to uh, butter me up by uh, appreciating my all-round genius <laughs> and good humour. Uh, they don't when we're not on air and I'm absolutely screaming blue murder with the worst profanities known to humankind. <laughs> That's kind of part of my charm, really, isn't it? Anyway, my lovely guests, my very patient guests tonight are, as ever, uh, the, uh, the velvety-voiced voiceover artist, Supreme Mr Jonathan Kidd. <laughs> How lovely to be called velvety-voiced
0: again, Church. Thank you. Lovely to be on the show.
4: I thought that was a passable impersonation of you, really, mate, I have to say. Oh, I was impersonating you. Oh, were you? Well, I was in Perth So you were in Perth. That's a bit like that scene from uh, Tropic Thunder. You know, what was it? I'm a black man playing a black man, played by a black man. That one, you know, the really <laughs> funny scene before he goes full retard. Yes.
2: Definitely. Yeah, people
4: out there will know the scene, I mean. Jonathan, as always, lovely to have you in the house. Uh, we've also got... We haven't had Tony on for ages. Seems like a long time, but we have the Reverend Tony Glover in the house.
3: Good evening. Uh, I'm not and um, velvety voiced probably a little bit more sandpaper on gravel really
4: yes yes but all but be- all the better for it tony
3: indeed, indeed.
4: good voice though
0: yeah that's
3: that's good what voice. i like that's what i like yeah good. tommy steel that's me
4: that's you
3: yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. flashbang wallop
4: what a picture
3: actually one for of the teenagers the there
4: yeah, for the older listener amongst us. Uh, now, last but by no means least, he's probably wondering why on earth he's even on here, having heard that preamble. But I, I tell you what, I'm really I'm really chuffed to have uh, Liam Toomey, the uh, Chelsea correspondent for ESPN. Uh, Liam, a warm, warm welcome to the Chelsea fancast. Sorry about all the aggro beforehand, but really good to have you in
1: here now. Yeah, not a problem. Thanks for having me, guys. An absolute pleasure. I'm not sure if I deserve the... Uh... The privilege of the prestigious last introduction but i'll take it
4: no that's right mate t- t- i'll tell you this for nothing whatever you get on this show take it take it with both hands and <laughs> grab it because somebody will try and nick it It's kind of how it works here. <laughs> now on that on talking of nicking actually liam i've got a question to ask you when did the london is blue podcast ask you to be on their show
1: um i believe it was. well the thing is we've kind of been dancing around each other via twitter dms for a couple of months now um but i think i think it actually was a few weeks ago to be fair it, it just happened so, to be a, a clash it okay. all happens at once so so by like a technical a knockout tour.
4: yeah by a technical knockout they technically asked you to be on this week about a week before i did but i'm going to pull rank here because i did ask you to be on the show back in august didn't you I? did
1: yes which is yes, probably it's well before a, they did. It's it, it's about the length of an average uh, Real Madrid transfer saga, this podcast, yeah, and I, me, think, I think. <laughs>
4: yeah, well, cl- clearly clearly, it's important to me that I got in there first. That, 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 that's <laughs> something I clearly will have to take to my therapist uh, on Thursday. But I just wanted to clear that up for anybody listening out there who thought that we'd nick Liam as our guest tonight. Um, do you know what? I'll share this with you because this, this hopefully will make you laugh, but... My dad holds the unenviable record of having a letter, the same letter, published in the same day in both the Times newspaper and the Telegraph, right? And it's apparently really persona non grata. You just, it just doesn't happen. Uh, and he shares, that, uh, he shares that feat with none other. The only other person who's had that done is Winston Churchill. How about those apples? Wow. Ooh, wow
3: there, we, that's,
4: go. That's, so there um, we go so you're you're spellbound aren't you tony
3: i i i was just about to say that is indeed um exalted company isn't it really to be in i mean just the fact well, that my you dad was in churchill punch- well, yeah, well, both actually. I'm sure, I, I actually did after we chatted after the City game last year, and you told me who your dad was. I did go and look, kind of look it up, you know, because I'm a nosy yeah. sod or whatever. And uh, and it's, it's very impressive, I have to say. Yeah, there we go. You know. So there we go. So Liam,
4: Liam is an exalted company. I mean, look, warm welcome to Liam. As I said, I mean, I was really joking about all of that. I'm not really uh, getting on the London is blue pods case because I love those. I love those American boys. And uh, let's face it, in a couple of days' time, they need all the help they can get. I shall leave it there. No more politics on the show tonight, I promise. Um, now, on the, on the show tonight, uh, we'll attempt to sort out the truth from the fiction of Costigate and ask if and when is he likely to leave the club for the eastern delights of dim sum which is not a euphemism, I hasten to add. Uh, In part two, we'll take a look at the Leicester match and applaud Alonso and the axis of big thrills that is William Hazard and Pedro, and ask, will there be life after Costa? Uh, We'll also have a quick delve uh, into the ramifications of the decision by Hammersmith and Fulham Council to grant Chelsea planning permission to redevelop Stamford Bridge We are very happy about that in this particular podcast. And in part three, uh, we will uh, have an interview with Chris Barnett. Now, Chris is the director of a new documentary about the Chelsea legend and fantastic friend of this show. We do a show with him every week, as you all know. uh, The one and only Kerry Dixon. And there'll be a DVD of the documentary coming out in March. And there's a fantastic interview with Chris. You will love that, I promise you. Uh, And in part four... We have some very, very excellent emails which will no doubt provoke a bit of discussion and provide a little bit of gainful for the genius and legend that is Jonathan Kidd. So I look forward to that. Whoa. Now, uh, don't forget you lot, uh, you can listen. Though, that you, If you haven't done it already, then where the hell have you been? Or as a certain gorgeous George on Twitter would say, you've been doing it all wrong if you haven't been listening to this show live every Monday at 7 o'clock by going to Mixler, which is M-I-X-L-R. Dot .com forward slash Chelsea hyphen fancast. Uh, alternatively, you can, uh, you know, I should share this with you because we've actually been doing a lot of stuff with our website in the last couple of months. We've been getting our fingers out of our proverbials. Uh, there is a page, or if you look in the menu bar and go to Chelsea Fancast Live, if you click on that on the website, you can access Mixler through that. Absolutely simple. So there you go. Uh, but anyway, that's what you can do, and uh, many people do. There's loads of people in the house. They, uh, the wonderful thing about the Mixler people who I love They're all like brothers and sisters. They really are. Um, But they obviously realised that we were, you know, having trouble with the technology. And they've waited because since we've gone on air, it's completely rocketed up in terms of listeners. So they're very clever people. And they post lots of really interesting things. Sometimes I notice and I even mention it in the show. Occasionally I don't because I'm not very clever at that kind of thing. But there you go. Now, after a very short break, uh, it's going to be us talking about Costa. we go. I mean, what are we? Only at Chelsea, only at Chelsea can it be going so fantastically, swimmingly, brilliantly, only for us to shoot ourselves in the foot and for it all to go so pear-shaped. I mean, that's kind of really why I love this club. But I'm going to ask Liam this first, gents, because I think Liam uh, is uniquely positioned amongst us all. uh, Because Liam, as I'm sure he'll tell us in a minute, you know, he has access to the press conferences. So he's actually there. Uh, ...in the thick of it. Um, so we're lucky to have him on the show tonight, really, given what's happened. So here's the thing, Liam. I think I think generally what most people were, were saying on Friday when it all kicked off... ...was there was... Nobody seemed to know what to believe. And I think there was an absolute uh, discernible, or palpable, as Michael, Michael Emanale might say... ...palpable difficulty in separating the truth of it all from the fiction... So that being the case, uh, Liam, and as a representative in the media, as somebody who was there, how do we, us, the poor simpletons that only support our team, how do we separate the truth from the fiction?
1: Well, it's a it's a difficult one, isn't it? With with something like this, when you have conflicting uh, signals um, and hints coming from from both sides, from the player side and from the club side. It, it it can get pretty murky pretty quickly and and people on the outside um, can find it very difficult to make sense of it or I feel feel a bit sorry for Chelsea fans with uh, everything that's happened this this weekend. But I mean, in terms of what we know, uh, we do know there was an argument last Tuesday over ostensibly over a back injury with a with a fitness coach, which Conte intervened in on the side of his fitness coach sent con sent Costa away to train on his own. But the backdrop to this was significant and lucrative interest from a Chinese Super League club, which we now know to be Tianjin. Um, It was being made quite clear to me on Friday and Saturday that Chelsea were determined not to be bullied by Chinese money. Um, They sold Oscar on their terms. They certainly weren't going going to sell the Premier League's top scorer. Regardless of the price, mid-season, um, and the the noises that we were getting as ESPN um, from Costa's people were that he wasn't interested in a move to China. That was what we were hearing on Saturday. So since then, there seems to have been a bit more of a conciliatory tone adopted by by both sides, um, which I think has manifested itself in in Costa's return. To first team training with the rest of the players today. A lot of people have obviously pointed out that the rest of the players had Sunday and Monday off anyway, but um, Costa was in training on his own, which doesn't always happen. Uh, which I think is why it was significant and why people reported on it. So we do, we don't we still don't really know where this ends, but um, things seem to be pointing more t- more now towards Costa staying in January. Beyond that, it's it's still very difficult to tell where the land lies. But there has been damage yeah. done between Costa and Conte, and Costa and the club.
4: Okay, well that that's interesting to hear, and I, I I'd love to pick that up uh, with you in a minute. But I'm gonna I'm gonna I mean, Jonathan, you know, I, I should also add, uh, Liam, is that we've uh, unprecedentedly gone to the guest first, whereas normally we go to Jonathan, who has this absolutely unique talent for doing the entire two-hour show in about a two-minute monologue at the beginning of the show. So I'm sorry about, <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry about kind of mucking with the, the chi of the normal Chelsea fan cast, Jonathan. But the first <laughs> thing I would say to you, JK, is that, you know, I, I'm convinced. I mean, I know Liam was at Cobham, but, you know, I have my sources in wheelie bins there. And I, I actually know for a fact, you know, I know for a fact that when uh, Conte said to Costa, go to China, right, he was actually saying, go to China White's for a bit of a knees up after the training session. So this has all been blown up out of proportion. But I'd love to to hear what you think, mate.
0: Well, they're in fact, they're there every night, aren't they? The whole of the the team are there. Up until four in the morning, I've heard. And uh, nobody seems to bat an eyelid about that, which is very confusing. Um, uh, Yeah. uh, yeah. Uh, um, uh, Are we saying then that the, the whole Chinese idea might actually be not part of the of the setup. It might just be that he actually only did actually have a back injury, and he wasn't feigning the back injury to get to to try and get out of the club. I suppose once again we're just speculating, aren't we? We're just because we don't really know. Um, uh, or, or or was it that? Uh, it, in the dilemma is also one of the things to remember, isn't it? That if because the the two other um, Portuguese speaking mates, Ramirez and um, uh, an Oscar have gone there already all it needs is the phone call to say actually it's quite good here and uh, and you can earn you know six hundred thousand pounds a year I mean what person wouldn't say okay I'll go and uh, I'll go and uh, uh and join up you know if you were suddenly offered an enormous amount of money like that and possibly only for two years of your life uh, to earn 60 million I think you might be tempted so I I don't, personally don't have uh, um uh, I don't think, as some people have been posting on Twitter, that you know that he's he's letting down the the badge. I actually think it's uh, it's an opportunity that he would be rather foolish to miss, despite the fact that he's um, obviously missing out on honors. But he would only be what would he be? What is he? Twenty six now? He'd only be twenty eight. Twenty eight. If he came back again, yeah, he, he, he'd be but well, He'd still be capable of coming back and getting honors in a couple of years' time. So. Um, I I'm, If it came up, I can see him being. Uh, uh, um, I can see the unrest that it created within him. But you'd rather that, rather than feigning a back injury, that he went in to speak to Conte and said, "Actually, um, I'm a bit worried about this because I'm tempted." And the dilemma is, of course, is the agent, isn't it? Is the agent for William as well? So, I think as we were going to discuss um, later on that perhaps uh, I think William, the pressure on William is such that, as he was Player of the Year last year, there is a um, he feels a, an affinity with the club in a way that Costa clearly doesn't because he tried to go in the summer. So um, yeah. uh, it's a, it's a, it's a dilemma, isn't it? Um. Uh, but it I, I, I'm, I'm still, I'm, we're still not we're, the, the, even with, with, with um, Liam knowing more about it, I'm still not convinced. We know exactly what's going on, whether he actually really has mm. been tapped up or it's that um, he wants to be tapped up. Perhaps he's, he's putting this out or his agent has said, maybe a
4: few waves, and we'll see what happens. I mean, is
3: it absolutely yeah. sure well, that this I, I, club came in for
4: him? Yeah, well, I wouldn't no, be surprised. Sure Tony,
3: Tony, what, Tony, what's your take on it, old Bean? Um, well, my take was fairly critical last week in that I thought it was mm. just a load of old uh, arse gravy that had been spewed out by um, a kind of you know, the typical, the usual suspects uh, in the press, you know, who are. Uh, well, the press and the media, the printed press and the, and the media, who were, who were desperate for Liverpool or Spurs to to win the Premiership, you know, and and you know, like um, in the same way that uh disinformation was used in you know the U.S. elections and yeah, it's used pretty much every day in, in business news, as well. Fake news. Yeah, I think there was. A, I, I thought this was a good that Liam's kind of changed my mind a little bit on that. Um, having listened to, him. um, well, I, I think. They're, they're, you know, I'm, I'm sort of trying to. I'm, I am sitting on a fence. So I've got splinters in my arms. So there is no smoke without fire, um, and I, I, I do take a pragmatic view, the same as you do, J.K. If you're offered sixty million quid, you're going to go. Um, and, and we need to get used to the fact that footballers like John Terry, Frank Lampard, <laughs> Steve Gerrard, the Neville brothers, or, or whatever, um, who are kind of one club men. Um, you know that that's a that's a disappearing estate. That is not the case these days. Um, and, you know, you're looking at young players are pretty much like if I take the grad intake at work, the place where I work, um, they don't come in anymore with the view that they've got a job for life. They don't come in thinking I could spend 35 years with this company and get a massive, decent pension at the end of it. Um, it's a two to three year turnaround. And I don't see any difference with footballers, to be honest, these days. I think there is a. Uh, it doesn't necessarily mean it's a disloyal Disloyalty to the badge or anything like that. I think possibly the only people who have that loyalty—no, not possibly—are the only people who actually pay to go into that ground. The fans are the only ones with the loyalty to that badge. I think very few players do. And I think if Costa goes, um, then it, we've had pretty good service out of him. I, I'm not sure how it, how it works for the rest of the season. Having listened to what Liam said, um, you know, it doesn't matter. You know, bridges have been burned here and i'm not sure how you'll you'll get that back i'm not sure about whether he's the kind of player that would be committed to it if he knows that even if he sits on his ass for the next 6 months um there's still a 30 million pound a year offer or whatever it is from china i'm i'm not sure the motivation will be there that's just a view.
4: I tell you what, yeah, it's interesting, man. I, I tell you, I mean, you know, actually, that was the one thing that. Uh, well, I mean, that's that would be a disingenuous to say that. I think what, most of what Liam said, what I found fascinating. But the one thing that really piqued my interest, Liam, was that there's been a, you know, there there has definitely been a fracture of the relationship between Costa and Conte. And I mean, how's that going to play out? Uh, you know, as we go forward, because I, I tell you what, what the one thing that I do glean. Uh, you know adding two and two and making five is I get the feeling that Roman Abramovich is not going to allow to happen what happened last year in terms of player power and player revolts I think he really likes Conte a lot and I think that he'll stand by Conte and you know if there is a fracture in the relationship between Conte and Costa that that's not going to bode well for
1: the rest of the season even if he does stay is it that's true um all I can say to that, really, is we, it's hard to tell from the outside how, how much damage has been done. Um, we know that Conte took the action he took, which is sending Costa to train on his own, um, and now he's brought him back in. Uh, I, I presume, um, given the fact that he's allowed him to resume training with the team, that he will give Costa the same opportunity as the other players to prove himself, but he will have to prove himself again. Um, because there there has been damage done by this, and um, we do know now. I think it was uh, today the Tianjin chairman um, confirmed that they'd made an approach for Oscar um, last week. Uh, sorry, Costa, uh, last oh, week. So, right. um, but they but they seem to have, have uh, called off their pursuit for now. Anyway, they're pursuing other targets because Chelsea made it pretty clear they wouldn't sell mid-season. In terms of how this plays out for Chelsea, um, I think I've been really impressed by Conte on and off the pitch, Um, just as impressed by him off the pitch since he's come in. He's barely put a foot wrong in his dealings with everyone at the club and the media. This is the most serious situation he's had to handle, but I think he's handled it really well so far. He was very careful not to burn his bridges with Costa in the press conference after Leicester. Um, he insisted that the, that the, this injury was the only reason and he was also careful not to kind of draw a line under Costa's Chelsea career. I think he knows Costa, he's been the best player in the league this season over the first half of the season. So he knows that Chelsea won't be clear favourites to win the league without him um, and that he probably will need him. From Costa's point of view, I think he's competitive enough um and he he's known as a guy that changes his mind by the hour. he's very emotionally volatile, so I think <laughs> one he yeah it's true he's got a track record for this, so i think um I that think once he settles idol, down <laughs> so I think once he settles down, I think his competitive drive will kick in. I don't anticipate seeing any problems with his effort between now and the summer whether he whether there is an arrangement whether he uh on whether he just goes in the summer. We
4: don't know yet. Well, do, do you think, I mean, do you, well, yeah, you say you don't know, but I mean, you know, go on, let's, let's hazard a guess. Do you think uh, he he may well, I mean, I, you know, just to pick up what you were saying about T and Gin, I think we'll call them, but, um, you know, I read a report from the BBC today saying that a lot of the reason why they've called down is not just because Chelsea said, no, we're not selling him. It's also because their government's now imposed a three-foreigner rule on each team, and they were kind of saying that it didn't leave any room for that. But um, I, I kind of now have suspicions that Costa may well just go anywhere in the summer. We know he was angling for a move away last year. And have, and I think, again, in the press, they were talking about possibly Barcelona and, and Atletico Madrid again are, are monitoring the situation. So, I mean, you know, if you were a betting man, um, you know, what odds would you have on him sticking around and playing for us next season or not?
1: Well... At this stage, I would probably say that, um, and this is not, again, not based on any inside information I have, just a hunch. I, I would say things are more pointed towards him him leaving in the summer. I would say the more realistic possibility than China would be that um, a Spanish club renews their interest and maybe offers a price that, that Chelsea are willing to, to deal at. Um, he's made no secret of the fact that he's never really settled here as much as he likes chelsea and he's got an affinity with the fans and people at the club he's never really settled to to life in england he likes he, he likes the warm warm latin climate and the latin culture so I don't blame him um, at all for that <laughs> why well, exactly so do i really um <laughs> yeah, but uh I, yeah so i think things are probably leaning that way but uh it, it, I, I don't anticipate that it will have too much of a of an effect on what he can do for Chelsea this season, as long as mm. the the hangover from this doesn't last too long. No,
4: let's let's hope not, Jonathan. I thought you were you were saying some very interesting and quite barbed things about the the fingerprints of George Jorge Jorge Mendes on this, and uh, you know you were talking about the room about William and, and and a lot of other people actually. The Mixler Brigade are in in are, are in full rant mode tonight. Although I would have to say, Jonathan, that they're praising your, your the quality of your sound tonight, which is good. But they're all going on about the fact that Mendes is also, of course, Mourinho's agent. So they're smelling a rat there. But, I mean, there is... Again, I read something today saying that, that uh, it's it's kind of a power play by Mendes to prove that he is the world's greatest super agent. That he can fix up a deal. You know, he can take somebody of the calibre of Costa and the importance of Costa to us and, and take them anywhere he wants, which is... Horribly insidious, and I I find slightly worrying. I mean, uh, and I think that is that what you were alluding to when you were talking about it earlier.
0: It was indeed what I was alluding to, Chidge. And
4: I, I'm, I was under the impression though that he was a, a mate of the club, though, wasn't he? A mate
0: of um, uh, of Romans. I thought they got on very well together. Would he would he shaft him like that? I suppose it doesn't matter when there's so much money agent. to be made. I mean, you know, indeed, yes. If he if he flogs uh, um, Costa for you know. 80 million how much well, I wonder what his percentage is is it 20 percent or is it more one one doesn't know what you know my my agent takes 15 percent but some take 20 but perhaps he got perhaps he's on a on a 40 percent deal in which case you can see that he'd be quite willing to try and flog anybody who's who's uh, Brazilian or Portuguese speaking that he can get his hands on I mean how many of the Chelsea players does he represent I don't I don't know that is he is he Williams agent I think he is isn't he um
4: i i don't know uh, is the honest I'm answer not sure, but but i do know I just
0: wonder once again you know you've got you've got a you've got a, a spy in the camp i've i said earlier you've got uh you've got oscar there and you've got ramirez there all they need to 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 actually is is you know phone their mate up back in chelsea and say it's good fun oh and by the way i'm earning uh um pounds a day more than that what am i talking about One hundred and twenty thousand pounds a day and uh and it looks rather Attractive, doesn't it? Oh, By the way, just can I just mm. digress slightly? Um, I, I, I got uh, several emails, um, several tweets uh, last week about um, trying to leap in too much, and somebody threatened me with a punching. Did you see that? <laughs> very interesting. Uh, I did. I interesting did. tweet. I forgot all about yes. that. <laughs> and, and you, you defended me. You defended me I rather did. nicely. I you did. did. You said, "I love that you, J.K." Found the idiot- you said you found me idiosyncratic, which I thought was uh, I did was slightly da- damning with faint praise. But at the same time, um, <laughs> I, I, I appreciated that that word was being used. And, oh, and by the way, um, uh, Tony, I, I agree. I remember I retweeted your um, your uh, your gravy uh, um, tweet because I agreed with you last week. I thought it was all smoke and mirrors about uh, yeah. But then it became apparent that obviously that it wasn't. But yes. um, but yeah, no, I I was. Uh, Clearly, I interrupted too much because I had the same thing as you had on the um, on the potting shed. I had a couple of really good gags I was trying to get in last week, and uh, I couldn't get them in, and clearly offended this one particular bloke who just said, "Next time you see him, give him a good punching, chidge." So uh, I'm looking forward to. Well, you know what? To be to be really honest, white cross that you will give me. Yeah,
4: Yeah. Uh, to be really honest, J.K., I think the guy had tweeted me first and hadn't added you in. And uh, and I said, well, I said in the good old days when we were when we were all when we were all sat round a table, if any of them got out of yeah. order, I would either just un- disconnect their mic, which I used to do with Doctor Mart an awful lot, so if I'm anybody remembers, yeah. 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 yeah, or I would just punch yeah. them, I, and, and that would shut I them got, up. Got, got and I think that 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 that's what prompted yeah. him. Ah, right. No, Sometimes I wish was, we could. Um,
0: re- I got I got given that, what was it? Um, somebody added in that I was a clickbait polemicist which I have to say Whoa. I thought was fantastic. I'm actually going to use it on my CV. I thought that was great.
2: Actually. Yeah. yeah I like click clickbait Jonathan,
0: just to, really. just,
4: just to put a line under your talk about agents, uh, from what you said yeah, yeah. about your 15%, yeah. I now know, who, I know your agent, and I now know why he's so drunk at Lord's whenever I see him there.
0: <laughs> Chidge, <laughs> the amount of money he makes is obscene. It's, it's almost as bad as, as George, George Mendes.
4: Just tr- trust me. Anyway, so does this mean we can expect move... to see you doing voiceovers in China very soon?
0: <laughs> I think somewhere, yeah, there might be not the same route for the uh, for, for the, the dulcet English <laughs> velvety tones in China. But uh, do you know um, what, mate? I'm not allowed, I would pay. I'm not I would. To do... You pay. Sorry, you say yeah. I,
4: I I would pay an awful lot of money to hear you doing a voiceover in Chinese. Right, I would yes, pay a yes. lot of money I'm for it. I'm that.
0: not allowed. To, I'm not allowed to do that. It's not PC anymore. Because on, on the Noddy cartoon I'm doing at the moment, which is a kid's thing, I have to play ninjas. Yeah. And they have to be politically correct ninjas. So I kid you not, we're not allowed to be Asian in this life. So you cannot go, because occasionally you do it, the ninjas are all doing flick-flacks all over the place. If you go, ho oh, ho oh, oh, they go, uh, Jonathan, terribly sorry, but um, give me- you can possibly do that to less Asian. I go, Oh, okay. you You're, oh, <laughs> no, still Asian. It's Asian, it's Asian. Can you make it can you make it a bit more less Asian? So you end up going, Ha home, hm, hey ha 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 ho and they go, perfect, excellent, well done. Oh, that's and
4: it's absolute ass gravy, to... as Tony would say. I mean, I, I will fess up, and I, I was, I was on, I was on tweeting fire on Friday because I refused to engage in the debate in any intellectual way whatsoever. So I just put tweets out like saying, "Well, I nicked one for the intro of the show about the fact that I feel for Costa. It's not the, f- you know, I've often been unsettled by a Chinese, and I also yes, said there should sure be a I rule. That there should be a rule saying that only players with R and L in their name should be allowed to transfer to China." which was, you know, borderline <laughs> racist, but I think I got away with it. I
0: put back Ruben Loftus-Cheeks had it then, if you
4: remember. You did, you did indeed. <laughs> well, I, what people may, may remember, this part's going to run and run, I just know it is, it's too much fun. But people may remember a long time ago, just after we'd started the fan cast, in fact, um, that Chelsea went on a, chi- a tour of China. And it was in the time when we had uh, Frank Lampard and Sean Wright Phillips and me and Martin and Tel were just absolutely wetting on knickers at uh, listening to the <laughs> Chinese commentary of them trying to say flank rampart. And Sean Wright Phillips, it was just too much. You know, of course, those were different days, and we kind of just about got away with it then. And we would never ever say anything like that on the show now. Listen, I better draw a line never, under this ever. because. Uh, no, okay. never, ever. We would never do that. Not with us, not also particularly not when we have a serious journalist in the house like Liam, who's probably thinking, oh my God, I bet got on the phone to surely. my agent. Um, surely, 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 it's, it's Liam. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Enough, Jonathan. We need to get on. Um, listen, I'm just going to draw a line under it because I want to pick up on something that Tony said, which I absolutely agree with, uh, really, which is you know let's be frank uh nobody is bigger than the club uh and if we're kind of reading into it what liam was saying that it's a very good chance that costa might just decide he's had enough of the summer no one's bigger than the club uh but i think the other thing is is that there's no you know there is no loyalty in football at all the only loyalty in football these days in my opinion is from the supporters and, I, and i'll be honest actually people I think even even that's under threat. I mean, I you know, we're all quite old, yes. so it's unconscionable that <clears throat> we could ever do anything but support the club that that we've supported all of our life. But I remember, you know, as long ago as 2008, 7 even, I did a a massive interview. I had him as a guest on a football show I was making. I can't remember his name sadly, but he's weirdly he's the business he was the business correspondent of the Observer, but he's a massive football fan, big West Brom fan. And he said that the, the, the whole thing about modern football, and this is probably something that, that we've all seen in the nappy shitting on Twitter, I hasten to add, but he said the thing about modern football, he said oh, uh, these days a supporter, and I think he's really talking about armchair supporters, but he said they will change the allegiance to their club on average five times in their lifetime. So even supporter loyalty
3: is under threat, I think, Tony. Oh, I agree. Um, I, I, I see more and more tweets um, from people who profess to be, uh, I'm a Manchester United and a Chelsea fan. Uh, <laughs> n- no, you're not. Um, and not on my uh, watch. And, and, I, uh, and I've actually, you know, I've got examples of younger nephews uh, who have uh, changed their allegiance from Chelsea to Manchester United, and now, you know, they're they're, they're now with with Arsenal. And and you just think, um, the whole thing. Yeah, there's a little bit of this is on football tourism of course as well, which is a, a, a another kind of uh, aspect yeah. of that of that inability. you know we're going to the game now look if I'm in France and Montpellier are playing paris uh, Paris Saint-Germain, I will go along to the game pretty much as a neutral. What I won't do is tour around different cities going to see different teams just for the sake of it and saying, I'm a, fa- I'm a big fan of, of this, that and the other. And I think it's a football tourism, but um, friendship scars, there's another addition into the, um, you know, who do you support thing? You know, I wouldn't wear one. I've I I, 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 I got to tell you this. A few years ago, I had a bet very publicly with our chief technology officer, um, with another guy who's a, a Chelsea fan. The two of us had a bet with a Manchester United fan in the office, and she said, why don't you stop talking about money and that she said, here's the bet. When you come into work, whoever's won, okay, uh, or whoever's lost will wear the shirt of the other team for the duration that the game went on for. So we played oh, Man United. Gosh. I think they scored. Remember the game? They scored after about 30 seconds, I think. Yeah. I yeah. think it was in, in Matteo's time. And I, shit you not, 94 minutes, I wore a Man United shirt around the office, photographs, everything was taken. It was Facebooked. I even got a copy of it down my pub and had it framed with the words wanted by the Chelsea police for being a splitter. So, you know, and, and that hurts, <laughs> but, but you get, you get, you, you already get the, the idea of the pain that that caused me. Okay. Um, and I think you're right. I think the support was under threat. And I think if you like, there's a danger of football being gentr- gentrified through the whole, it's a business thing these days. Um, and I think fans, younger fans these days think, well, you know, I fell in love with that club because Diego Costa was there or whoever. Yeah. And he's gone. And he was my hero. So I'll follow him. And I think that does happen. Mm. It never would have dreamt of happening because obviously when we were younger, um, transfers were much more low key. There was not transfer yeah. windows. They weren't so much story. And generally it was because they were either getting a little bit more money or because they were a new manager coming or they were at the end of their careers. There you go. Okay, so I agree just, with you, right? Each other, but
4: that's, I, I, and that's why I asked you, Tony. I knew I'd get a, I'd get a, a really intelligent answer and a couple of jokes thrown in for good measure, which is part of your genius. <laughs> um, listen, you one eating? of the things I should, you're, one of the things I need to read out from Mixler. Hang on, J.K. you was not a brilliant post by. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I am. I forgot that. Yeah. <laughs> Right, I've munched you it, it's all gone now. Yeah, right. I know I'm a hypocrite.
0: Not to eat. Anyway, be eating? quiet,
4: I want to read out this post from Mixler. Joe the Blue has just said something brilliant, and I know you'll love this. He said, one of my mates is a Liverpool fan. Am I wrong for refusing to dance to you'll never walk alone at his wedding? <laughs> Absolutely not, Joe. No, you're not. That is proper Chelsea you know behaviour. All right, listen, we've got to go to a break because we are uh, we are actually officially 10 minutes over the schedule on this part, which is largely due to uh, Liam having some brilliant, fulsome answers and Jonathan, Tony and myself waffling on too much, but never mind. It was all good fun. <laughs> right, after the break, uh, we'll take a look at the Leicester match and applaud Alonso and the what I like to call the axis of big thrills that is William Hazard and Pedro and ask, will there be life after Costa? And we'll also have a quick delve into the ramifications of the decision by Hammersmith and Fulham Council to grant Chelsea planning permission to redevelop Stamford Bridge. Uh, many of you will know, of course, that Liam, uh, along with the wonderful Dan Levine, uh, 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 who's you know on this show a lot, but Liam and Dan were both tweeting live. And I have to be honest, it's one of the most weird experiences I've ever had of following <laughs> a council planning me- meeting yeah. by Twitter <laughs> yep. with, with more tension than I've, Followed I mean I mean people of a certain generation like me, you and uh, and Jonathan, Tony, remember the days when we yeah. used to follow matches by teletext? Indeed, it had the same kind of <laughs> yeah. ring of intensity about it. There you go, one for the yeah, teenagers. Yeah. So anyway, we'll be back in a sec. The only place for Chelsea fans. Footballfancast.com. Real fans, real opinions.
0: I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to Chidge and the Boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chels.
4: Right, welcome back. I'm Stanford Chidge, and you are listening to a rather mad cap uh, edition of the Chelsea Fancast. Um, I was hoping that my uh, special guest, who is Liam Toomey from ESPN, Uh, was going to bring a bit of sense and decorum into the show tonight. But sadly, he's been thoroughly outnumbered by uh, the lunatics (laughs) who have taken over the asylum by the name of Tony and Jonathan. And of course, there's a little bit of stoking up by myself. But anyway, it's lovely to have you, Jonathan, in the house as always.
0: Joyous to be here. And I say what a a terrifying story you just told Tony about having to wear a Man United shirt, but at the same time, very funny. But oh god! Uh, oh yeah! God. Yes, oh, indeed. you poor man! You poor, poor man! Indeed. Lovely to be on the show. It's,
4: l- it's lovely to have you too, Jonathan. Lovely to have uh, Tony. It's been, been a while, mate. We've missed you. Missed your cracking sense of humour in a Tommy
3: Steele styley. <laughs> good to be back. And what I will do is, if I'll, I'll, I'll dig the picture out and I will tweet it to you, see, no, uh, no. oh, man as proof that it's not. I, 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 no, I have no shame. I have eternal shame. I have eternal shame, and I need to be beaten and berated for the for eternity for what I did.
0: Which era shirt Mate, did it have I, the I little think... leases? Was it the laces in the in the collar because they were really shit? <laughs> <laughs> no, I know. Mate, I think I, I think you
4: need I think I, you I, need I, therapy, and I can recommend a, a good one. Listen, somebody doesn't need therapy. Somebody who doesn't need therapy at the moment, but having done this show with us tonight, probably will need some. Is the wonderful Liam Toomey from ESPN? Liam, are you still with us? Are you okay?
1: I very much am, yes, and I'm I'm fine. This is this is an experience.
4: <laughs> yep, it certainly is. Uh, it can only get worse. Um, anyway, uh, for those of you who are, who are thinking we've all lost the plot tonight, you'd probably be right. Uh, it always happens when we have a technological issue. Uh, it goes one of two ways: either I go absolutely, you know, just so angry you've never seen anybody as angry, or I just give up and just roll with it. And I think we're, thankfully we're in the latter. But we are actually going to talk about some football. Uh, which is kind of the point of the exercise. Um, you know, what with all this uh, Costa business, you know, it was all a bit worris- worrisome, wasn't it, for Saturday? No Costa, our top goal score and all of that. But I mean, you know, boy, did we turn up. But I've kind of said, who needs Costa? I was trying to make a song out of this along the lines of Chim Chimney, Chim Chimney, Chim Chim Chiru. who needs Wayne Rooney when we've got Moo if you remember that one. Uh, but it doesn't really oh scan. God, but yeah. it was, who needs who, who needs Costa when we've got Alonso? Uh I mean, bloody hell, where did that performance come from? He ne- I mean, he nearly scored a hat-trick. In fact, not- I was praying that he was going to get the perfect hat-trick, left foot, right foot, header. But my God, you know, what was going on? J.K., I mean, you know, you and I have not been fulsome in our praise of Alonso, but blimey, what a performance. He was fantastic,
0: wasn't he? When he was given an opportunity, they didn't close him down as Spurs closed him down. And also, he said that he had a groin injury, didn't he? He actually said that on the uh, yeah. the interview. There was Sky afterwards the last couple of games. But um, I think it's a question of how tactically the, the, the opposition set up against him. Um, because if he's forced to defend, we see him slightly under pressure. But if he's allowed to go forwards, you get revealed as really a rather competent player, to say the least. Um, now, I, I, uh, I was immensely impressed. Can I just say there's one thing, though, that I think we've, we've, sort of, we, we're, we've forgotten to some extent, which is that after we scored the first goal... Um, we did slightly lose energy and they came back into it. And it was only I, I felt after, um, which is something I think he's fantastic at doing. Uh, Conte gave them all a good talking to at yes. half time and they yes. came out and he scored again. And then we were completely phenomenal in the second half. Yeah. I mean, absolutely yeah. all over them. I think partly because their head just went completely down and uh, Ranieri revealed he has no other plan other than the first one, which is mostly booting the ball down the pitch for Vardy. So, uh,
3: as you or, remember, or, or, I'm not or a... bringing
4: a forward on and play, making him play at left back, which of course is
0: always
3: one of yeah, Ranieri's favourite tricks, but, but only it, only it, in a, in one in a of Champions it, League I...
0: semi final. Yes, absolutely. But to, um, to to answer your question, I thought he was fantastic. As uh, uh, um, and as you say, as you've we've talked about before, you wonder whether Ake's arrival did indeed um, give him a bit of a G up, because uh, mm. um, uh, you know I'd be intrigued to see where Ake plays. Well, one of the things that does depress me slightly about twitter and about some of our fans on it is this belief that that instantly okay will get into the first team instantly because he's been playing well at Bournemouth you know and you go well yeah if you watch Bournemouth a few times he was he was beaten a lot he was you know gave the ball away quite a lot and he obviously he, he's a he's a great prospect but you know the kind of prospect that and I will go on about this for ages that we should really be hoping gets into our first team is that is is Davey from Everton, who was completely phenomenal yesterday for Everton and looks exactly like Alan Wickle. Would you believe he's related to him. And I'm afraid that is the kind of player that I want coming into the first team. I know we give people a chance, and we're constantly doing it and everybody says, yeah, you've got to get the youth in, get the youth in, but they have to be of a very, very high standard. And I yeah. think Ake is, is, is getting there, and I think he's, he's a great, he's, a, he's got great potential. Unlike poor old Bamford, you know, he was now actually going to go back to Borough for possibly ten million, five million with add-ons, and I wish him all the best because he made a series of decisions that were wrong. He should have either stayed yeah. with Borough and then come. But it's this, it's um um it's you know in a sense because Ake wasn't quite good enough, it, he had to buy a fullback and he bought Alonso and he's bought somebody who we all were a bit um, iffy about initially and saying who's this player? He's played for Bolton. There's a performance like that yesterday and you uh, on uh, Saturday and you just think. Uh, well, you know, great. He, he, he. Once again, we go into that situation. Is it because Conte is able, Clough-like, to make players into better players? And uh, mm, yes. And, and I still think that's uh, that's that's in his in his remit as a manager, as Liam was saying.
4: Well, let let he yeah, I mean, let's talk. Let's let's talk to Liam about this because I, you know, you're right. Actually, I I did put in, didn't I? Um, I wonder whether Aki. Uh, arriving might have uh, sharpened up,
2: uh, up. Alonso yeah. because
4: I think actually, because, you know, we've talked about this a fair amount on the show actually about the fact that there are some key positions with what would we, we would have called hitherto average players as in Moses and, and uh, Alonso who've, you know, yeah. become very important to the side. And one of the things I think that's changed this year compared to last year <laughs> is that there seems to be genuine competition for places. So Liam, you know, do you think, uh, actually, before before I ask you about whether Ake sharpened up uh, uh, Alonso, I think it's a very fair point to say that he. There was a rumor he was carrying an injury for a while, so fair play to him for playing through that. But I think that actually, even though he didn't get um, uh, a hat trick uh, uh, on Saturday, Liam, I think that he deserves one for for fronting down the press and saying that you made the story about Costa up, which I thought was brilliant. <laughs> but anyway, that, that that aside, Liam, you know, do you think there's a bit of sense to that? The fact that Aki might have sharpened him up a bit.
1: Yeah, it's very possible. Um we'd we'd never really know unless un, unless we ask him. But I that was certainly my feeling behind the Ake recall. It was a it was a move that was driven by Conte rather than Chelsea. Um he he saw Ake break into the Bournemouth team and was very impressed with his performances in, in November and December. And um I actually asked him at the press conference on Friday whether he'd had a chance to try Ake at wing back in training yet. Um and he says he's only looked at him as a as a centre back so far, but I, I do think that's definitely in his plans because the the one obvious hole in this squad at the moment is the absence of another natural left footer to compete with Alonso. And I think sometimes Twitter tends to polarize every debate, and with Alonso, no, everyone's really. either saying he's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> with Alonso, everyone's either saying he's terrible or great. I think he's. I think he's probably the weakest one-on-one defender of Chelsea's defensive starters. Um, but going forward, he's a real asset, and he's a, he's an exceptional crosser. Um, and as has been already drawn attention to, he's got fantastic stamina as well. He regularly covers more ground than all the other players. So. He's he, he's clearly been a valuable part of a very successful team since September, but I think Conte wants more options there. Ake proved he could play left-back at Watford last year, so I don't think wing-back would be a huge transition for him. But equally, I think it might keep Cahill on his toes as well because Ake's a good fit for the, the left side of a back three.
4: Yeah, I'm glad I'm glad you mentioned Cahill, actually, Liam, because I was about, about to ask Tony this because I know Tony's a massive fan of Cahill's. Um, but, I mean, you know, number one, plaudits need to be given to the man for attempting uh, a bicycle kick, as we used to like to call it in my day. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, you know, he didn't score, but he did the next best thing, which is to smack Morgan squarely in the gob, which is always a good thing. Um, but, I mean, but more generally than that, Tony, you know, um, I th- I think Cahill, I mean, I know, I know he's had a very hard time from a lot of the nappy shitters on Twitter and all of that, but... It's gone at, typically gone under the wire, actually, his, his quiet leadership of the side this season because he's been the captain on the pitch almost throughout the season. And um, I kind of like it. And I, I'm just wondering maybe, A, it, it's suiting the team as well. You know, maybe they're responding quite well to that. And secondly, um, it would have been a complete and utter stupid mistake for Cahill to try to be, you know, JT who is much more verbal, and much more of a presence as a leader on the pitch and a captain on the pitch. But I think, you know, maybe, maybe Cahill, maybe Cahill deserves a bit of praise for his, his leadership of the team in the last, you know,
3: two or three months. What, what do you think, T? Oh, uh, yeah, I've... you. you. You said it correctly. I have always been a fan of the fact that um, there seems to be... Let's talk football snobbery here. So you you mentioned it earlier. We're not sure about Alonso because he used to play for Bolton. Uh, Gary Cahill used to play for Bolton. Many good players did. Um, And we seem to have this mentality in, in the Premier League now... Of You know, you have to buy these fantastic talents in rather than develop them, rather than spot opportunities and say, you know, we can pick him up for five mil or whatever and turn him into a good player. Um, if you remember, uh, Cahill did a, a kind of backheel uh, attempt at goal, I think, um, almost soda like uh, against Peterborough the week before, which nearly went in and would have been added, but he wouldn't be going blimey. Who knew we could do that? Um I I think Gary Cahill's style of leadership may well be slightly understated. It may well be that we need a change from JT. Um, The other side of it is is I used to be a network engineer, and nobody gave a shit about the network until it went wrong because it just kept (laughs) working in the background, right? It just kept working in the background. It did what it was supposed to do, okay? And people have a habit of not praising People who, you know, people... uh, Didier Deschamps was one when he had his sort of shortest spell at Chelsea when he was described, I think, as a water carrier, (laughs) wasn't he, or something? Okay. You've got these players that come in, McAlealy to a degree, it was only the fans that kind of lifted him up into something other than just a bloody good stopper. Yeah. But, you know, I I like those players. You can't have uh, 11... Galactico's on the pitch, that's just a failed policy. And we're seeing that at City now. We're seeing what a disaster that can be when when a team really has no bonding together. And it's those quiet players and that kind of quiet leadership that Cahill's putting in that I really like. And not only that, he's a far better footballer than people give him credit for. And Conte has stuck with him. He's played every game this season. Conte has stuck by him and said, you're my man, I trust you. There's people still now on Twitter giving all that bollocks about, we'll get rid of Cahill in the summer and we'll go and get, I don't know, whoever this is and that.
1: Bollocks! This guy, oh, yeah.
3: this bloke's the, the captain of England. Yeah. You know, or Tony. To be
4: fair, Tony, that used to mean something once upon a time. Yeah, well, I suppose it did. <laughs> but my point is,
3: he stepped into that role when... Uh, probably JK will probably agree with me here when we all thought Louise was going to be, you know, uh, and he may well be in the future, okay? But Kay, who has stepped in, and, you know, he has played 15 of those last 15 games of which we've won 14 and lost one, albeit to, you know, the the, the loathsome Spurs or whatever. He's he's done a fantastic job, and I, I actually rather hope he stays under the radar and carries on doing it. Mm. Well said, Tony.
4: I would agree with that, actually. And I think that's kind of really what I wanted to ask you. Liam, just a quickie here, because um, I, I know Jonathan's uh, champing, to get, champing at the bit, and he, he's going to tell me off eating again in a second. What, JK? <laughs> I know, I'm sorry. I know. I was hoping you wouldn't notice. I've stopped eating again, all right? If you really must know, I'm eating a Tic Tac. Anyway, Liam, what, what I was going to ask you, and I, I, you know, Jonathan, 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 shush. Jonathan uh, alluded to this. What?
0: i sandwich.
4: Own oh, no. up. <laughs> no, it's a tic tac. Anyway, Liam, yeah. you know, Jonathan alluded to this a minute ago, um, and, I, and and I would agree with it entirely. Actually, I thought some of the football that we played in that second half was absolutely sublime. And you know, I should nail my colours to the mast here, Liam. I don't, I don't go to the football to to be entertained. I, I don't see that really as football's job. I go there to <laughs> see Chelsea win and to have a great time but i do appreciate it when when the team that i love plays superb football and there's no doubt that about it that the way that um you know william pedro and, and hazard combined up three just was i mean that that second goal was just some, was it no the third one pedro's goal was just sumptuous um but it you know clearly and it just led me to a very interesting thought that you know given the whole costa situation it was clearly a very different style he's conte's decided that Batshuai you know, isn't really ready uh, to take up the lone striker role for whatever reason. Mm. Um, so, you know, one, uh, Liam, you know, in, in praise of the sublime football that we played. And secondly, is, does this show us that there's perhaps a plan B or a future without Costa, perhaps?
1: Yeah, I mean, well, first of all, I think this is consistently the best football that Chelsea fans have seen since the days of Ancelotti. Um or since the double-winning season, I think some some of the attacking football has been incredible. But it it's also the the balance, isn't it? I mean, they they created chance after chance against Leicester with really intricate one-touch passing, but giving Thibaut Courtois virtually nothing to do at the other end. Um, and that seems to happen week in, week out. Now it's it's suddenly really easy to get clean sheets. Um, on the on the other point about potential plan for without Costa, I think. Yes and no. I think in some ways it's a little bit too early to tell. It clearly the two games in which they've done it, they've won 3-0, so that's that's emphatic. Hazard um, is a it, you know is just so he terrifies defenders when he's played centrally. But the what I would say is that they had the element of surprise when they did it on Boxing Day against Bournemouth, and then they had the element of surprise again against Leicester, who would presumably have been game planning to face Costa all week. So um I think it the the situation could change if they had to play this system every week and teams had a chance to game plan for it. But teams have had a chance to game plan for this the rest of this 3-4-3 system since September and while some have done slightly better than others, um, very few have found an answer for it. It's mm.
4: a good point, Jonathan. I mean, you know, did you did you enjoy the William Hazard and Pedro axis of big thrills and I mean do you see that I mean I, I think it looks to me like you know it, it it's no accident that it's worked twice in t games. so I think it, it for me it does look like a a good plan b and I think the reason for that is that it's hard to defend against because their movement is so good and they interchange so well that it's actually really hard to cope with because it, it's kind of in a set I mean I hate this shithousery of a false number nine rubbish but actually that's that's kind of how a false number nine works. You don't know who to pick up, do you? When you don't know how to defend against it.
0: Well I was under the impression in fact that Hazard plays much more as if he's a number nine than it being false. You know, I think he's actually there in that position. It just is that he's he's got much speed better speed and skill than your normal number nine who holds the ball up better, um, and is there as a, you know, large man to do Flick-ons or whatever, but I can't just say that. I think one of the reasons this works so well is it's allowed Pedro to express himself and reveal what a completely fantastic player he is. Which you know, for the past two seasons, for whatever reason and whatever position he was playing or whether the setup didn't suit him, um, he didn't he didn't show that. Whereas at the moment, for me, um, uh, if the Costa thing does go completely tits up, he's he's so far his player of the season. I think he's been. Uh, he doesn't, and he doesn't like scoring goals. I mean, that's the header I think was the easiest goal he scored because, as we know, he normally picks the top right-hand corner to have a go at. You know, because he's uh, he's such a good player. But as the three of them together, I felt that William—that uh, was the best William had played all season because he's been suffering uh, all these um, emotional problems because of his, his death of his mother. And the three—the three of them together really complement each other. It's um, it must be so difficult to defend against, absolutely, as you say. But um, but no, I, I think. Uh, the fact that Pedro has come through is like having another player, um, and this is more clearly the player who was allowed to express himself at Barcelona, and I'm so pleased mm. that uh, that we're seeing the real the real him because he comes across as being a really sweet guy as well. So so it's all the, you know it, it it's a it's a great opportunity to see to see the proper pre- Pedro, and I love it. I really love it.
4: Yeah, no, I'm I'm falling in love with Pedro, Pedro Gonzalez muchly. I have to say, uh, you know, yeah. I really am having been. Foul to him for most of last season, um, Pedro. I'm really sorry. I, I, you know, I'm a bit like Costa. I'm mercurial, mate. Um, I, I, I'm tempted to, to like waffle on about being, you know, what Jonathan?
0: Uh, lightweight, you called him last year.
4: Lightweight, easily. I just didn't think over. he was. Yeah, but he was. I mean, I, I called it as I saw well, it. But I mean,
0: you know, too. it's not I the do. first
4: time. It's not the first I time do. a player has come over to play in the Premier League and struggled in the first year. I mean, Drogba did, for God's sake. If you can Remember about that yeah. far. You know, so I should I should know better, but we're emotional beings. It's a passionate game and I, I get you know, I get to talk shit two hours every Monday night about it. So, you know, anyway, enough of that. I mean I was gonna waffle on and, and, and go on about it, you know, seven points clear of Spurs, seven points clear of Liverpool, eight clear of Arsenal, ten clear of City, twelve clear of United. What a wonderful position to be in. I read something today saying that uh, only two sides have not gone on to win the league with 53 points or whatever it is we've got at this stage of the season, um, it's looking jolly good. I mean, the, thing, the one thing I would say, I mean, really what I'm trying to say is I'm shutting down the talk about the Leicester because I want to talk about Stanford Stamford Bridge, but as a kind of a summary of it, I do think that it was a massively big statement and, and, a, and a real result under pressure, actually, after the fiasco with Costa. I thought it was hilarious. Uh, I no doubt Tony was going potty about this, but the... The, the the whole Sky thing about the the mini league of of those in the top seven oh. so desperate were they to have Liverpool on top of something, what a load of shit Tony. Can you very quickly just yeah. register your disapproval and disgust at that? It,
3: it was it was worse than shithousery, but I'm not going to use the words I want to use because it is. <laughs> no, it, it doesn't matter how Sky hide it. Okay, uh, it's 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 a bit less on the BBC because uh, even ex Liverpool players like Merv, well, Murphy, Benny Murphy, even been... worse, Tony. Well, they are, they are, but they, they, need to, they need to do something about that smug-ass Jake Humphrey and his, I'm your pal bloody thing that really gets on my goat. However, on Sky, you're right, there's a desperation and it seems to me there's just one or two voices in there that are, uh, you know, fairly neutral about the whole thing. Gary Neville being one of them, uh, oddly enough, um, but then I think he'd probably want anything but Liverpool to win. Um, but you're right, it's just, it is just, they are. there's a desperation about it and, um you know i i i would be walking past sky's office with an umbrella um should liverpool ever win the league because i do not want all of that g's on my head yeah.
4: <laughs> <laughs> oh no i think we end it there uh, i think well done tony for articulating <laughs> Sorry about even that better question. than i would no no it's indelibly imprinted on my mind forevermore sadly um <coughs> excuse me people um i think moving on i mean i i'm really itching to talk about this because uh I mean, whilst obviously I have official duties and was making statements left, right and centre. In fact, actually, um, Liam won't know this, but, uh, um, you know, obviously we, we were primed and ready for hopefully a positive announcement at the uh, planning meeting uh, at Hammersmith and Fulham Council last week to uh, give permission for Chelsea to redevelop Stanford Bridge, which is something we all want. But I had a prepared statement that I'd written for the uh, supporters' trust, ready to go out the minute we got uh, the positive vote. Well, which i did and uh so popular was it that the chelsea supporters website crashed couldn't cope with traffic <laughs> so i mean that in a sense gives you an idea about how big this was but i mean liam liam was there you actually attended the meeting so i mean obviously we, we don't need a blow-by-blow account but just a general feeling of what it was like to be there liam
1: yeah it was interesting um Obviously, you, d- you didn't necessarily get a sense within the room of of, of how momentous it all was, particularly no. as individual counsellors were raising really, really specific uh, questions with regards to the to the planning application. But you did get a sense of it from the the interest that that my tweets and, and Dan's tweets were getting. Um, from from Chelsea fans all over the world, I think he he said he looked afterwards, and his timeline had had 1.8 million views, which is astounding for for three hours. You know, um, this is clearly a huge issue for for, for Chelsea fans, and it was um, it was quite a surreal process because it took three hours. Like I said, there was a massive lull in the middle, lots of dull questions, but then it all happened very quickly. Um, they just called a vote, and and it was unanimous. Um, and you know there weren't really any suggestions all evening that that any of the councillors had major objections to. It. A lot of them were very complimentary, in particular of the the design. And it was it was very good for Herzog and de Meuron's PR team, I think, because um, they all praised the uh, the avant-garde nature of the nature of the stadium design. But it was a, it was a huge evening, and you could tell it meant a lot to the Chelsea team as well. Um, the, the stadium project team left the meeting and immediately went into the nearest pub so they they were uh, in the mood to celebrate proper yeah. chills.
4: <laughs> um i mean I have, I have to be honest at one point liam i thought it was going to go to extra time and penalties but uh thankfully it didn't
1: yeah we were told it could it you know these kind of things were not could be known to go on to like 2 a.m so mm. I'm, I'm very glad it didn't
4: well, so am I because I would have, I would have. I mean, I, I mean, I meant what I said earlier on. I mean, I'm sure the boys would agree. I bet, I bet you they were on Twitter following it as well. It was really surreal, spending a whole evening wedded to my phone and, and constantly refreshing it to get either an update because I was following both you and Dan, funnily enough. So desperate was I for news, um, but uh, I mean, it is really, really good news. But it ain't, it ain't done and dusted yet. There's still a process to go through. But uh, not least, of course, with what will next happen with the CPO. Uh, and, uh, on, you know, on that, on that point, actually, I should tell you now that, A, um, there's the CPO Chelsea pitch owners, for those who don't know what I'm talking about, but they've got their AGM uh, on Friday the 27th, and I've already explained about the resolution to offer the opportunity for the board there to extend the lease to Chelsea FC, which might sweeten the deal in terms of what happens going forward because of course Chelsea pitch owners own the freehold of, of of the pitch and you cannot you know we cannot develop the stadium without them saying that's okay um but anyway they've got an AGM on Friday the 27th uh the an old friend of mine Blue Baby on Twitter she's written a fantastic article uh, which I would implore you all to read uh and it's on net. Uh, about the CPO uh, AGM and all of that. So go and have a look at that. Uh, but more important, more important, this is exciting, very exciting. Uh, on next Monday's show, which will be five days before the CPO AGM, um, there will be an interview, uh, which I'm going to record this week, with Charles Rose, who is the uh, the main man at the Chelsea Pitch Owners. So uh, you will get the lowdown on, A, what the Chelsea Pitch Owners is all about, and also, you know, what, what's going to happen at the AGM or or, or or on hopefully what's going to happen with the club thereafter um, but I don't really anticipate I hopefully don't anticipate that being a stumbling block so the bottom line Liam is is it, you know really it means that we're staying at Stamford Bridge and that we are going to get a brand spanking new fantastic stadium the envy of everybody in uh, in, in in England if not the world which is fantastic is it not?
1: Yeah, it's great news. It's it's great news for, for for the club, for those within the club that always wanted to to stay at Stamford Bridge. I know not everyone in the hierarchy was of that mind, and it's but it's particularly great news for the CPO who fought as hard as they did and and, and resisted in in 2011 when there was a real possibility of of the club being moved. So now, yep, yeah, it's just it's it's just one more step, and there's more to go, but it's a it's a very very big one. Um, and it's a step that they've been working towards for a long time. So, yeah, it's, it's a huge, a, a huge, huge move.
4: Excellent. Uh, I'm going to very quickly ask Jonathan, because Jonathan, as um, has, um, has, I mean, of all the people around this, this, uh, you know, little podcast here tonight, actually, Jonathan probably deserves the dueest of, of deference because Jonathan's been uh, going to Stamford Bridge since the 50s. Am I right, Jonathan?
0: Yes, indeed. My father took me as a baby. Uh, the season yeah. that we won the uh, the league, I've no obviously no recollection of that.
4: But, um, but uh, I would imagine JK kind of- that I, I would imagine Jonathan. <laughs> I, I would imagine Jonathan, that you, you you of all people are, are, are probably a more emotionally attached to Chelsea playing at Stanford Bridge than than certainly us us four us three. I don't know. I mean, it's just a question for you, really.
0: I am. I am absolutely. I think it's a phenomenal decision. I think the design is brilliant. It will be the envy of uh, the Western world, um, as you say, not to say the rest of the world. It's it's a superb stadium. It will be, and uh, um, obviously it will, will. You know, it means that we're making a statement about being one of the top clubs in the world for the rest of my lifetime and for the nine hundred ninety-nine years of the lease that I think the CPO are going um, to grant
4: well, no, to the club. Well, that's not no. I. Yeah, that supposition because I did speak to Charles in the week, and apparently that's—I'm sure he'll clear this up in the interview on Monday. But uh, that supposition—they haven't offered 999, and I think that was no, no. really coming from an article that Dan wrote. Well, I don't know. Have you seen the pack? Because I haven't seen the pack no, yet. It, no, it,
0: it, no, it's it's one of the um, it's one of the proposals in the that we vote on. It's number nine in the CPO. Right. Uh, um, Minutes, because I'm, I'm going to go and vote vote on it. It's there. Yeah. They'll be talking about yeah. that. It, it, it's uh, it, I mean, it, it hasn't been voted for. I'm 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 going ahead of myself here, um, but it seems to me that that is the that's the most favourable decision because it means that uh, it's a process, It's a it's a real business proposition for, for Roman Abramovich to uh, to spend his money on. Um, but no, I I don't think it will be voted, down. I think it'll be the the one that everybody everybody agrees to. Um, but as I say, I'm 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 just being presumptuous. Uh, but but for me, you're absolutely right. It's to see, to see the club the club goes from uh, um, uh, you know a, a quaint little falling down um, ex, um, uh, greyhound stadium. I mean, bloody all the dogs were going when I was. There. I remember going to a meeting with my dad. Um, which was quite fun, but the, the very fact you're always watching football from so far away, I remember frequently have to say I was sitting, standing in the shed, saying, "What on earth happened?" at The other end, I never saw it, so there'd always be a slightly delayed reaction to the goal the time. because you weren't quite sure if anybody scored. You'd say, "Oh, somebody scored!" Oh, they have you! Way! You know, and it was, it was bit, so the, the reaction would just go slightly round the pitch, you know, slightly like a little little delay on uh, as if you're watching on um, on Sky and listening on the radio um but yeah no it's uh it's absolutely remarkable and i'm i'm so pleased that we're staying well i shall, jonathan i
4: i i shall look forward to seeing you at the cpo uh meeting as well because i will be there as well i hope fingers <laughs> crossed uh, well yeah. my missus has got to go to hospital that day which is the only d- doubt cast in it but i really can't not be there um really we should just very quickly plug uh, as we do because it seems to make more sense this week of all weeks really but uh if you want to own a little bit of Chelsea and protect the future of the club, then go and buy a share in the Chelsea Pitch Owners. Uh, and as we were describing, they own the freehold of Stamford Bridge and their aim, of course, is to ensure that uh, football will be played at Stamford Bridge forever and ever, uh, which is why we're all so happy that the uh, the vote was passed this week. Uh, if you want to find out how to buy a share, they cost about 100 quid, uh, and you can email info at chelseapitchowners.com uh, or check out chelseafc.com forward slash fans, forward slash Chelsea, hyphen pitch, hyphen owners. And you can also follow them on or at pitch owners, to be more precise. Um, and I should have a little plug for the supporters' trust here, not least because I am the chairman. Um, but we were very active in this. And actually, more to the point, we will continue to be very active, uh, not just in trying to get the the fans' uh, concerns or the supporters' concerns and their views put forward to the club about the redeveloped Stamford Bridge, things like um, you know, the atmosphere, safe standing, um, and so like-minded fans can sit together, ticket pricing, getting more youngsters in, all of that. But we're also actually going to be focusing very soon on the reality of what will be a temporary move. We're not sure where, although everybody seems to think it's going to be Wembley. Um, but clearly that's going to provide or present difficulties to supporters over quite a considerable time, three or four years, they reckon. So the Trust has got a lot of work to do on your behalf and with your help to make sure we get our views across to the club in terms of, again, you know, sitting like-minded supporters together, making sure the atmosphere is good, making sure some of the, the increased costs we're going to have to face by going there will be mitigated, better ticket prices, getting more kids in, all this kind of stuff. So it's a very important time to be a member of the Trust. So on that point... Uh, go and sign up. Uh, it's five quid to become a voting member uh, and uh, you can do so at com. And of course, that will enable you to attend all the meetings that we have, uh, come to any events and vote on the issues that affect you. Uh, make sure you get your vote voice heard, really. Follow them on uh, at Chelsea S Trust. I would add very quickly, sorry to, to say this, but we've, we're kind of migrating the existing membership uh, administration software. And I know that there's a bit of a problem uh, in signing up from the website at the moment, we're dealing with it and it'll be dealt with soon. But if if any of you have trouble signing up, then please just email uh, inquiries at chelseasupporterstrust dot com or just get hold of me at the Chelsea Fancast and and I'll, I'll note it down and and make sure that uh, somehow we get you signed up. All right. And last but by no means least, we should have a plug for uh, he who must not be named uh, because he is the editor of CFC UK. And the uh, uh, latest issues out at the moment. You'll be able to get it at the Hull game. Uh, he was actually at the uh, planning meeting uh, last week and spoke on behalf of us and uh, and Chelsea in favour of them approving it, of course. So well done, he who must not be known. Now, if you can't get a copy of CFC UK in person, you can always get it digitally by subscribing online at cfcuk.net. And if you're in the good old US of A, uh, you can follow the Twitter account at CFC UK USA. Or if you want to get a proper uh, you know, paper copy, you can contact Dan Lundberg on Twitter at DLundberg underscore. Right, after the break, we have an interview with Chris Barnett, who is the director of a new documentary about Kerry Dixon, which is coming out on DVD in March. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Cheech! JK! In all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Chich, I'd be bereft, inconsolable. The thought of missing
1: my beloved Blue Boys live. <laughs>
4: Fans,
0: real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Proper
1: Chelsea. FootballFancast.com.
4: Welcome back. I'm Stanford Chidge, and you are listening to the Chelsea Fancast, and I have the wonderful Jonathan Kidd with me.
0: A joy, as always, young Chidge.
4: I have the hilarious and the man, a man who is great company in the pub, I can tell you that. Mr. The Reverend, sorry, not Mr. The Reverend Tony Glover. Uh, and Your Highness, it's good to be back. Yes, indeed. And uh, we also have a very special guest um, who is, of course, Liam Toomey, uh, who is Chelsea's or the ESPN correspondent for Chelsea. Liam, a real honour to have you on the show tonight and very, very pertinent in view of the subjects tonight.
1: No, the pleasure
4: is mine. Thanks for having me. And we'll get you back on again. Don't you worry about that. Right, now, uh, <laughs> earlier in the week, uh, I was very, very lucky, uh, talking of being privileged, but I was very lucky to interview a fine man, a man called Chris Barnett. And Chris has, or is just finishing off really, but he's been making a documentary about wonderful Kerry Dixon, who, of course, uh, you'll you'll all know. I mean, he uh, Kerry and I do a, a podcast every week. Uh, but anyway, Chris has made a documentary, about him, and it's going to be released on DVD in March. So uh, pin your lug back and have a listen to this. OK, so I'm delighted to have with us on the show uh, Chris Barnett, who, uh, for those of you who don't know, is the man behind the new uh, forthcoming documentary on our favourite uh, former Chelsea player, Mr
5: Kerry Dixon. Chris, how are you doing, mate? Yeah, I'm doing good, thank you very much. Uh, good to get the opportunity to speak to some real Chelsea fans once again.
4: Well, there we go. It's an, it's our pleasure, mate. Trust me. Um, so let's let's talk about this film then. Um, you know what what gave you the idea for it in the first
5: place? Well, I love making documentaries. I've made a few sports documentaries. I've been in in the world of of horse racing, doing a few of the, the big stars of that, and being a Chelsea fan since about 70, 71, seventy one. I've been around a while and uh, been in sports broadcasting for for quite a few years. I saw Kerry uh, uh, written a book with Harry Harris and uh, got a copy of that and had a read through and I just thought books are one dimension to to telling the story. Um, Visual and documentaries, they're completely different. It kind of goes a little bit more in depth. It's it's the words as they come out of the mouth and uh, you you can see the emotions And, and I'm into showing people's emotions more than just stories and I wanted to see uh, the story and the emotions that, that Kerry had now that he's uh, been through what he's been through and, and come out the other end. And and I wanted to uh, hope and see if I can sort of relay that to, to many fans around the world that, that have been following Kerry and following Chelsea over the years. And I, I approached Kerry and said, look, well, I've got this idea to to make a, a documentary um, kind of snowball from there. I was introduced to Harry Harris, the author of, of Kerry's book, and you know, we're kind of making this into a, a bit of a series now with a, a lot of other legends that we're talking to, to to make their lives uh, into the documentary films as well. So the idea was to to bring that the, the words off the print into life and, and bring it into, onto the screen so people could see it.
4: Well, I mean, I would concur with all of that, Chris. As a former, you know, filmmaker myself for many, many years, there is there's something about a film that can go to places that a, a book just can't. And as you said, I think one of that is is bringing the emotions up front of the people that you're you're making the film about. But uh, you know, obviously, uh, you know, with the visual imagery that you can use as well, it makes for, I think, makes for a very compelling watch. Uh, but I think Kerry in particular, I think, you know, a fascinating subject for a documentary anyway, because, I mean, he's so, so well loved at Chelsea. I mean, you, you may not know this, but when we uh, when we started to do the Chelsea Supporters Trust, we uh, we decided to launch it and we decided to have Kerry as a guest. And we, we'd hired out the, the old CIU club, very near the old SOBAR. And, uh, you know, there was only room for about 100 or 120 people in there. About 400 people turned up after a match to try and get in. <laughs> you know, and I and I can't mm-hmm. think of too many Chelsea players, past or present, for whom that would have been the case. He's so well-loved, but he's been on quite a journey, hasn't he?
5: He has. And, and that was one of the questions I put to him in the documentary that, and the answers in, that, in the film as well, is that when I've been with him to... A few of the Chelsea games, either filming him or just being there. We've been coincidentally been at the same game. That every time we're together, we're walking down Fulham Broadway, walking towards the the ground. People just come up, push me out of the way, and go straight <laughs> to carrying. Oh you know, my God! Yeah. It's a Chelsea legend, you know. people, you expect that for One Direction fans, 19, nineteen, twenty-year-old, I guess. But you know, we're getting guys are uh, 50, 60 who were running towards Kerry to get a photo. And I've never taken so many photos of of Kerry on people's phones as I have done over the past few weeks because Mm. every time we walk down Fulham Broadway, um, we went to Stamford Bridge and filmed a little bit inside the ground. It was great. Chelsea helped us do that. We went to Wembley Stadium and filmed some action inside the stadium interviews and and some shots in, in, in Wembley Stadium as well. And, and everywhere we went, people just wanted a photo with Kerry. And as I said, these weren't 20 year olds. Most of the time, they're were, they were, you know, they RAs, they're were, they were 40, 50, 60 year olds that you don't expect to be interested in, in the modern technology. And he's such a legend. And, and that's one of the questions I asked, you know, you, you've been playing for Chelsea for 30 years, and you know, people still come up to you and go, I remember that goal you scored at Millwall. I remember that goal you scored at, at Southampton. Unbelievable. The man scored so many goals in his career from non-league to, to the Premier League for England as well. Just a, a, an amazing character.
4: Mm, I think that you, you've hit the mark there spot on. I mean, the other thing I'd say about Kerry is that in my experience, I I've, I've been lucky enough to meet him you know, quite a lot even before I started doing the show with him, but uh, he's he's... He's very humble and he's very approachable. And I remember the first time I, I met him through another uh, another former player who's a, who's a good mate of mine and, and I met him early on. And I mean, you do, it's really odd. You know, you kind of sit, you, you freeze a bit and, you know, having made films and stuff, I've met a lot of very famous people, but I'd never... Usually feel that, that you know, not, it's not, intimidated is not the right word, but it's kind of shy, I don't know. It was quite weird. But yeah. anyway, so I had a chat with him and about an hour or two later, he came back and obviously we'd all had a few drinks by then. And he came back and then he introduced me to somebody he knew exactly who I was. He knew all the story that I'd told him earlier on. And, and I felt about 25 foot tall. And I think that, that sums Kerry up for me. It, it, the man has, he's so approachable and he's got a humility about him and a real humanness about him. And, and I wonder, I mean, that must have come across in the film, I would have thought.
5: Yes, he does. He's very humble, and sometimes it's hard to sort of move him into second gear to, to you know make him realise that you don't need to be as humble as you are, and, and you, know, you need to sort of a, a really understand what these people think about you, because you're not just a, an old bloke that used to play football, you are a legend of the club, the third highest scorer in the history, and if it had stayed a bit longer, when he had half an opportunity a few years ago, probably would still be the highest scorer, he would have gone past Bobby Tamling uh, and, and and I think Frank may, maybe would have reached him quite as, as quickly as he did so a, a legend on the pitch there and a legend off it because all the people that, that come up to him, uh, met him in 1983-85, still remember him as Kerry Dixon, the Chelsea Centre forward and that's a fantastic position to be in as a human being to have people remember you for all the good stuff that you did over the years. Mm,
4: absolutely. I mean, I, I've, I've often felt, Chris, actually, that there's a, there's a peculiar bond uh, between the supporters of my generation and, and that '80 side as a whole, actually. And, of course, obviously, Kerry was at the front of that, literally and metaphorically. But there is a peculiar bond that we have with them. I was talking to somebody, funnily enough, at the CFC UK stall about this uh, uh, before the Peterborough game, and, you know, and I wonder if it has something to... There was a sense that we were all in it together, In that decade, you know, both the players and the supporters, because it was up and down like a bloody yo-yo, as you'll know. And there was a real sense that we were all in it together, players and supporters. And that's something that you really could seldom say about modern football. And and I wonder if that has something to do with the bond that we have with these guys.
5: Uh, I think you're probably right with that, because in, in those days, of course, we were battling, being evicted from the bridge. They bought the East stand. with no money to buy any players. I, I spoke to Ray Wilkins just a couple of days ago, and they basically sold Ray Wilkins to pay for the East stand in the end yeah. to Manchester United. Yeah. So in, in those days, we were in it pretty much together. You had a bond. You know, when you see some of the old photos from the 70s, you see Joe McLaughlin Colin Pates in the bar afterwards with the fans, yeah. you know.
2: Yeah.
5: Those days have obviously gone. You, you're not going to see... The current Chelsea team down the pub any longer, but in, you know when 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 you went in the eighties, you had much more of an affiliation to them. I guess you could, you they were approachable in that respect. Uh, I, I don't know how many times I went to Harlington training ground in in the eighties and and just turned up, parked up there, and, and went on the, the the training pictures and just took some photos. I mean, it's incredible. It how if you ever imagine doing that today? You know, and then afterwards you can just go and say hi, Pat, Nevin, How are you? Great game on Saturday. Look forward to this weekend and drive off. That's yeah. probably why we had that. Such, we were so close to them and and why they they stuck with us forever. But out of that team of of the the Kerry Dixon team and the Kerry Dixon era, Kerry is still the outstanding figure of of that yeah. uh, of that generation. I think you'd have to say.
4: Yeah, I wouldn't wouldn't disagree with that at all. I mean, I think really to sum that up, I mean, I think the 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 view and the bond is all about. You know, basically, they were just like us. It's just that they were much better at football and played for the team that we loved, you know. Anyway, we should move on and talk a bit more about your film, really, rather than uh, <laughs> wallowing in nostalgia, much as I love to do it. Um, I mean, how long how has the film taken to do? I mean, is, is, is it finished yet?
5: Yeah, it's pretty much finished. There's a couple of extra special touches that we're, we're hoping to do. Uh, we're just waiting on a couple of people to say yay or nay that will come and add their support to the film as well some a uh, couple of current players from the, from the Chelsea team and we might be able to get, get a word with them. That would be fantastic. Apart from that, we're pretty much finished now. Um, we had contributions in there from Glenn Hoddle, Pat Nevin, Pat Jennings, who uh, gary scored a fantastic goal at Highbury against uh, in that one-all draw on that occasion when Chelsea were back in the, in the first division. Yeah. Um, and we've been to Wembley Stadium to film, as I mentioned, Stamford Bridge. We've done it... it I don't know, it's probably taken seven or eight filming days here and there with bits and pieces, but uh, it's going to be round. They're probably going to be like a 45-minute version, but I think for the premiere, the full premiere, we'll probably put in a few bits that, uh, that won't make the, the final, final edit, but it'll probably be a bit longer, some maybe nearer an hour for the, the film premiere in March mm. so that people can enjoy that and just see a little bit more uh, of, of Kerry's life and, and what he's did back then and what
4: he's doing now. Well, that, that's interesting. So basically you're making a TV cut, a 45-minute hour, effectively, for TV, you could say, but uh, I would imagine I mean, this isn't going to This isn't going to have a, a cinematic release, I would imagine. It's going to really, you know, you're going to try and sell it to TV and also get a DVD out of it, yeah?
5: Well, you no know, I've got to do a 48-minute, which is basically the TV's time, isn't it, with all the, yeah. the, the ads for an hour, so um, I, I probably would have that available should we ever get, get down that route because, as I say, we're not just doing one film now. Hopefully, we're doing some more. We're, we're talking to five or six different legends of, of football um, to talk about doing their kind of uh, film as well, but probably wouldn't be as long because Kerry's got such an interest in life, it's probably going to be a bit longer than, than we initially thought. Uh, yeah, there will be a DVD that will be coming out Uh, the end of March and that will have the full footage on there as well. Um, It's not going to be a cinematic release but we we are going to the the Sanctum Soho Hotel as I think you've mentioned in in your previous podcast and discussion with Kerry um, which is just off Oxford Street. They have a private cinema downstairs which holds 60 people uh, and it's only uh, enclosed private cinema with a bar as well and we're going to release the film. That's where it's going to be uh, first shown and uh, premiered with Kerry in attendance, of course, and a few other legends, uh, depending if we can tie them down to a certain day of the week, which is always a bit difficult with legends, because <laughs> they all seem to be quite busy.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, are you allowed to tell me, have you have you got any names, or are you going to keep it a secret?
5: Well, the thing is, we've got a lot of people saying they're going to come, but you've yeah. got to make sure that they turn up. So I don't want to promise <laughs> no, and say... enough. Glenn Hoddle's going to be there and then Glenn Hoddle doesn't turn up because he's got yeah. another commitment. But, yeah. you know, former Chelsea players have um, said they're coming uh, and, and we expect that that will be the case. And uh, it, the only reason that they wouldn't come is if something clashed, an appointment clashed on, on the 3rd of March. But at the moment, we've got a handful of, uh, of former footy legends turning up in addition to carry to 2. Uh, to support the evening and also to uh, to meet the fan and that's the main thing, isn't it? To go and meet your heroes and have your photo taken mm. with them and you know get an autograph if you want and all that kind of stuff.
4: Good stuff. Yeah. No. I mean, I mean, other than other than that, which is, I mean, you know, the obvious attraction is that you'll you'll get to meet some of your heroes <laughs> and watch a bloody good film, no doubt. Um, but it's quite a swanky do from the looks of it. I mean, it's a, the Sanctum's quite a hotel, isn't it?
5: It is. It's a what they call a rock and roll hotel. The owners, of the fact, one of the owners is Mark Fuller, who's a big Chelsea fan anyway. And every time we go down there, he just uh, reminisces about the old days of this guy <laughs> and that player and that stuff. So he's a big Chelsea fan. It's it's partly owned by some of the, the group of Iron Maiden. So it's a bit of a heavy metal hotel. Oh, right, Jimi right. Hendrix all over the wall. Um, it's got like 30 rooms, the hotel, right in the centre of London, just off Oxford Street, behind Hamley's. Um, just um right way you need to be fantastic venue other private cinema downstairs we've got a fantastic meal that the the chef has created for the night and um, the the list is already out there what what you what you're going to have so it's a beautiful meal with it as well there's a chelsea themed dessert to it which you can see um i'll i'll send you the picture you can tweet it on your on your site you can see the chelsea dessert that they, they've handmade for us. We, we sampled it the other day with Ray Wilkins who was there uh, to to help promote the evening as well and and it, you know they're just looking after us really well and hopefully everyone will have a fantastic time because it really is a lovely lovely place to go and you're in a nice atmosphere lovely environment and as you say it's, it's kind of it's a five star experience it's, it's not a pie and mash and uh, yeah. you know, meet Kerry for 10 seconds this is you know, we're starting at six o'clock in the evening and it goes all the way through to late on the Q&A after uh, the dinner as well. And everyone's sits together. We have the whole restaurant booked for ourselves. So it's a, pretty, it's a private event. And if yeah. you'll have full access to all of these le- legends that you can go and talk to and uh, say talk about those those goals that you'll remember. And let me tell you, every legend remembers the goals he scored. So there won't be a problem there.
4: They <laughs> like too they do indeed. It actually because I've got a, I've got an appalling memory. I'm, I'm I'm almost famous for how crap my memory is, but you 're right, every player i 've ever spoken to they and of course you normally when i 've interviewed players, you see i 've just had a research he 's like i 've reminded mm. me of stuff that i 've forgotten or whatever, but you 're right, they never forget, do they They like elephants with their performances and then the goals they 've scored it's fantastic, but anyway, I mean, no, it does sound like a fantastic do I mean the thing that comes across to me from what you 're saying it sounds like a very intimate do where you can you, you actually spend some quality time with these people rather than just ten seconds and off you go for the next one, you know which sounds fantastic.
5: Well, well that's it I mean you know bigger could have done this in the bigger venue and we, we could have you know made it under a hundred pounds perhaps but we wanted to have 60 people have a, a five course dinner which is a, you know, a lovely it's lamb and, and there's a risotto for the vegetarian option um there's some fantastic things uh, the chef there makes this wonderful little herbal tea struck cocktail in, in, in a Chelsea blue color that's got we got smoke coming out of it. It's, it's something for the eye as well, for the taste buds. And they made Chelsea cake for, for dessert, the dessert. Chelsea colour with the emblem. You know, it's, it's a special evening. It's not just another. Oh well, we can we can pop down and do this in, in another time. This is a. It's almost a one-off, possibly a two-off. We're nearly sold out now for the really? for the third of March. Actually, so uh, I about my yeah, skates on then, don't I? Sorry, sorry, Chris. I think I'm, you might. And all everyone's sitting around thinking that you know, there's going to be loads of seats, but there's only 60, yeah. and and people are booking tables at 10. So you imagine three of those, four of those going, and there aren't too many seats that are going to be available. It's limited. We can't go over. So if it does sell out, we'll hopefully put on a second date. But so we're nearly, we're nearly. It's it's time to get that mouse clicking. I'm afraid, all and right. uh, get get that booking done because otherwise you might miss out. And this is going to be the first time. That anyone has seen the film in its full length. So in, it's a bit of a, an historic moment for in the career of Kerry and, and those legends that are going
4: to be there. Okay, well, you du- duly noted, and I shall now click on that uh, mouse before I put this show out on Monday. So, so I, get, <laughs> I get in before
5: <laughs> they will. Um, just a final thing. Sorry, Chris, go on. I'll was send you some photos on Twitter. We can. Retweet. You'll see the venue. You, you, you can pass that on to all of your listeners as well. Uh, and as you said, it, this is—you know—we're not meeting down the local pub uh, for a Pipe. We're having a lovely um, evening that uh, represents Kerry's career, and and the people that will turn up, uh, the legends will will represent that as well, and uh, and help make this a, a terrific event. People will be talking about this for for a while to come. I think I think I'm pretty sure now.
4: I mean, I'm obviously going to wrap up. I'm going to ask you another question in a minute. But before I do that, where's the best place for people to go and, and find out how to get a ticket for this, albeit that they're, they're going very fast?
5: Well, there's a couple of ways. You go to, we put it basically on, on my website at the moment, which is midnightproductions.co.uk, which is my website. But if you go on to Kerry's Twitter, there's a link from there. and There'll be a link from from your site we can do that you can have yeah. a look at it there um but midnight uk is where the footy legends um, page is there and you can buy it straight from straight from the page and uh, we'll be emailing tickets out for people to uh to come and enjoy
4: brilliant stuff okay the final just to kind of wrap this up i mean actually it kind of fits quite nicely really because uh there's a very good chance that a lot of people might not be able to get to that event it being that there are only 60 spaces but uh no doubt there'll be a huge clamour to see the film. And I mean, I know you're going to be releasing a DVD in March. Um, How how are you doing with getting it on TV? Is there any chance of a sale to TV?
5: Yeah, there's um, a definite chance of sales to TV. Um, Harry Harris, who, as I say, worked really hard on on this project with myself and and Kerry and Kim and all all the other people involved, Um, we're looking at hopefully getting it, on one of the stations um if, if that doesn't work there's a, a massive potential for us to uh sell the the program as a a, a visual you know for like 149 99 as a, as a kind of iTunes kind of basis as well later right. on in the year so
2: yeah
5: if you can't get there on the third or if, if we do have the 10th if, if the third side out surely um the dvd will be available um, we, we can get signed DVDs, no doubt, from certain places. Um, you know, we can we can we know, all, arrange all of that. I'm sure we're, we can uh, give a couple to to you to sort out for your for your listeners as well oh,
2: they'd to love uh, that.
5: help. Um, yeah, well, well, we'll give you we'll give you two DVDs then, and then you can sort that out with your listeners over the, the next few weeks. So the DVD will come out in uh, March. Kerry will personally sign them, them as well and we'll get a couple to, to you for your, for your listeners you can do some kind of competition if you brilliant. want and uh, they can win now. we'll send them off in end of
4: march brilliant chris that's very generous of you i appreciate that but n- not not quite as much as my listeners will if they win one so there we go chris i think we should uh, we should wrap this up but i just want to say well done i mean I, I i know to my own cost how how hard a slog it is making a film, no matter how enjoyable the subject matter is. So, congratulations to you for that, and I really, really can't wait to see it. Actually, I mean, I, I love Carry to Pieces, so uh, anybody who's made a yeah. film about him is all right by me, and I can't wait to see it. So, congratulations and well done.
5: Thank you very much, and don't forget get clicking on that page, um, and uh, hopefully in the next few days, and in the next few days, and if that's the case, we can try out a second date. and and make some more Chelsea fans uh, of of, the bygone era and and the current era very happy.
4: Yeah, amen to that. Well, Chris, again, thank you so much for that, and uh, hopefully I shall bump into you, if not at the event, uh, somewhere around the bridge.
5: I'm sure we'll meet, meet somewhere down Fulham Broadway, walking towards Stamford Bridge in the near future, definitely.
4: Excellent. Okay, so uh, what what a fantastic interview, and uh, well, good luck uh, to Chris for for that, and not least uh, the launch of it in March, Um, but a couple of uh, notes to append to that, which are, um, you know, well, basically, first of all, he's going to have a very special screening of the film on Friday the 3rd of March at 6pm, and uh, it's in a really swanky place, the Sanctum Hotel in Soho which is a kind of a five-star hotel, really swanky do. Kerry and all sorts of other football legends will be in attendance, as you probably heard in the interview, uh, and it's a three-course dinner. Now, the tickets are not cheap. They are £150 per person, or it's 1300 quid for a table of ten. Uh, for more information, go to midnightproductions.co.uk forward slash footylegends100. Chris has uh, tweeted me to say, or texted me to say, that there are only about five tickets left. So if you really want one of those tickets, you need to get on there bloody quick. Although, as I said, he did mention it in the interview. Uh, The other thing, of course, is that he has also promised to uh, give us a couple of signed uh, DVDs, signed by Kerry, of course, and uh, we'll have a competition for you to win them when they are released in March. And uh, talking of Kerry... Uh, just a quick plug for The Kerry Dixon Show, which I record each week with The Great Man. It's available usually on uh, a Thursday afternoon, so make sure you download it via Acast, iTunes and SoundCloud. It should automatically go, you know, if you if you subscribe to the Chelsea Fancast on any one of those platforms, uh, the minute it goes up, it should automatically go into your feed, so you have no excuse. You must listen to it. It's only half an hour. It's a cracking show. Kerry's usually on good form. Uh, the next one will, of course, be out this week and uh, we'll no doubt be discussing Costa, I would imagine. Uh, maybe a little bit about the Leicester game and, of course, we'll be previewing the whole game. So get your lug round that. And, of course, uh, as always, if you haven't bought his biography up front yet, then go and do so. It's a cracking read. The uh, documentary, you know, is almost like a visual representation of that in a way, uh, but you can get it from Amazon for about 15 quid. So go and do that. Now, after the break... We have some excellent emails which will no doubt provoke a bit of discussion. Real fans, real opinions.
3: I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast.
4: Up the Chelsea!
3: Football
4: Fancast.com. Welcome back. I'm Stanford Chidge and you're listening to the Chelsea Fancast. We are on the home straight. It's part four. We all know what that means. It means that we get to listen to the dulcet tones, the idiosyncratic and dulcet and chocolatey and velvet tones of Mr. Jonathan Kidd.
0: And the the clickbait uh, uh, polemicism. Is that the word for polemic? I
2: can't remember. Clickbait polemicist.
4: I like that. You know what I've got on on my Twitter account, Jonathan, on my on on my Twitter account. I've got uh, uh, a bit something like that, but I've got the 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 greatest po- uh, no, a great post-rationalist of our time, which I quite like. <laughs> but you know, what does I quite like mean, yours. You? well yeah, exactly? What does it mean?
0: Why why doesn't he just put on mine? Uh, why didn't they put um, um, egotistical, uh, self-serving actor or something? I'd sort of get yeah. that, but. Clickbait polemicist, blind me.
4: I like. I like it. that. Any- um, now we've got Jonathan in the house, and we've also got the lovely Tony Glover,
3: the Reverend Tony Glover, who I guess would be described as possibly a post-truth teller, maybe, mm. in this post-truth fake age. News. Fake, fake
4: news. Fake news. Fake news. Now, Liam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Liam. Liam, you know, is part of the news. He he is part of the media. He he's a fantastic upcoming journalist, and he and he works for ESPN and writes great stuff. Actually, if you haven't, actually, it's a good point. If you haven't ch- I'm sure you have. I mean, you know, goodness me, you people are all switched on and listen to this show. But if you haven't checked out Liam's stuff, it's well, well worth a read. But Liam, if you were going to have something other than what you have on your your Twitter profile, in the in the style of you know a great the great a great post-rationalist of our time, a clickbait polemicist. And uh, whatever Tony said, I forget now. What
3: did you say, Tony? I said I was a post-truth teller. But I think yeah. I've just got so some Liam- like a middle-aged moaner.
4: Yeah, okay. Uh, I am not a nappy <laughs> shitter would be appropriate for you. But, Liam, yes, what would you have, if, you know, yeah. what would you
1: have, Liam, to describe yourself? Um, oh, that's a difficult one. So the the Twitter bio thing, sort of sum yourself up in a sentence. Yeah. Um. I would well, nice and topical. I would probably go. I'm I'm not fake news, <laughs> uh-huh, just as kind of a disclaimer um, yeah. for people or, coming right, in. I Although been, there have been, 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 been a few actually Chinese
4: football clubs. Yeah, I haven't been. on yeah, exactly, looked Chinese football clubs. Yeah, I've just looked. At, I've <laughs> all looked all right, at, at my. We should move It's champagne. Oh yeah, socialist. sorry, Tony.
3: go on. Champagne. So, socialist. Right, it's yeah, champagne socialists. Yes, which I, I am very proud to be. I think you
4: should be a champagne super
3: socialist. Indeed, yes, a meritocrat, but that's too hard to say, especially if you're in I China. I think you should
4: actually no. I think I think you should be a champagne super socialist <laughs> in the sunshine. Yes, yeah. Yeah. In I the know, sunshine.
1: Enough, <laughs> <you> might, <laughs> enough
4: already, Jonathan. We're we're we are doing a bloody good job of upstaging you, knowing that this is really your <laughs> part. So I'm now I'm going to shut up. And <laughs> you've got you've got five emails tonight. Your mission, should you accept it, is to read. All five emails. So off you go. Very,
0: very quickly. And can I just say very, very briefly, um, the, the Bruce Buck presentation I went to, he said Wembley, by the way. Mm. That was uh, for when I went for uh, the Aussies um, fans forum representative thing. So he seems to think it's going to be Wembley. Um, anyway, uh, this one's uh, an email from Stephen Marshall. Hi, guys. Uh, Thanks so much for reading my email on the last podcast. Jonathan gave an excellent delivery, as always. Thank you very much, Steve. And uh, your offer to meet me should I get down to Stamford Bridge is much appreciated. I know I'll get there someday. And having become a father last October, I can't wait until my son is old enough so I can take him too. Fantastic. I have a different question this week. Taking away trophies one, what is your single greatest Chelsea game ever? This is a great question. Mine is kind of strange. It was a 2-1 victory over Arsenal during the 2007-8 season. I'm not 100% sure why that game stuck with me as much as it has. But I remember watching it with my mate and I went for a roller coaster ride of emotion throughout it. Of course, that day, as usual, against the Ars was DDA bullying them. So I put the question to you. Not including trophy-winning matches, what is your personal favourite ever Chelsea match? Looking forward to the next mm-hmm. podcast. Come on, Blues. Thanks again, Stephen.
4: All right, that's great email again. I, w- I would add, actually, that, that when Stephen wrote in the other week, it really, really touched a nerve with a lot of people. We got a lot of people on Twitter saying fantastic email and it was really a lot of love, actually, in the, in the house, which is good. Um, Jonathan, I think the honour befalls to you first.
0: Well, uh, at the risk of showing everybody up and also revealing how old I am, the the most thrilling game I ever saw... Was Chelsea beating Portsmouth seven nil to gain promotion from the second to the first division uh, Jimmy in Green 1962, four, didn't he? 63? No, 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 no. That was in 1960. No, Bobby oh, Tambling okay. scored four. Okay. And uh, one of the joys, the joys of the game for me, was to see Frank Upton score a goal from the halfway line by this booting. Was this big shit house door of a of a of a an inside of a of a half back right half of as he was um, booting the ball down the pitch and scoring and unfortunately I think Tambling was just coming back. Those are the days where you could you just needed to be wandering back and and not you know you'd be slightly offside and you'd be given offside and the goal was disallowed for offside. But it was such a um, a significant victory because it was for Tommy Doherty's babes uh, and it was for um, and it had all the. The uh, um, uh, the beginnings of the side that started that actually then eventually um, won the nineteen seventy FA Cup, um, and uh, it was it was just a great experience for me. I was very little, but I remember it, and I remember um, I remember the event as being uh, you know just really uh, um, a, a, you know a great joyous experience for me. One of the best as, mm. as a as a kid that I ever saw and can remember. And the following season, I was on the sh- in the shed, rather ridiculously, wearing um, uh, a blue uh, tracksuit with all those little plastic Chelsea stars, a blue and white bobble hat, and a rattle. And I've actually got video, uh, a cine footage of it because my dad took pictures of that. <laughs> and
4: uh, silver nitrate you know, film, then, you mean?
0: Yeah, practically like that. Yeah, black and white, just flickering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But no, no. Eight, that. eight no frames sound. a second. Eight frames. Yeah, there was never any sound in those. But for Charlie me, Chaplin um, doing the ex- intro. <laughs> Charlie Chaplin was on the pitch. Um, but uh, it was Chelsea West Ham. <laughs> it was Chelsea West Ham, and it was nil-nil. It was the first game of the season. My dad got that, but I'm sorry, that's That, that is that's being a bit unfair to everybody because it, it it's uh, it's an age thing really. But for me, that was my my first. Um, Memorable experience because having gone a lot before, I can't remember the games, but I can remember that one.
4: That's so. a cracking JK. That's why I love you on the show, mate. Because you you just you have that uh, you know experience. I mean, age is nothing to be ashamed of, and I think you know it's lovely to hear stories like that. Uh, I haven't I haven't heard stories like that since I spoke to my mother in law about Chelsea. She's Billy, really, uh, <laughs> my dear dear departed mother. Yeah, but she you know she saw Chelsea win the title in '55. I my respect for her was just massive. Anyway, Liam, what's your what was your, what would your match choice be?
1: Um, well, I was just thinking about this while um, while you guys were talking, and I I don't want to go for the I don't want to go for any Champions League finals because it's too obvious. But um, I think the most memorable one for me prior to all of that was the the, the Champions League quarter final second leg against Arsenal in two thousand and four at Highbury ah. um, against the Invincibles team and. Uh, that was just it, it. Was just a remarkable game because of the the context. You know, at that point, it's it's kind of surreal to think of it now. But Arsenal always used to beat Chelsea um, mm. in pretty pretty much every competition. And that season, they were just untouchable. Um, took the lead, and 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 Chelsea's comeback was was remarkable. And I remember I read Claudio Ranieri's book uh, on his final season at Chelsea, and he said when Wayne Bridges goal went in he, he said it was the Did most incredible he said it was the most incredible 30 seconds of my life in football I'm guessing that moment has since been beaten um yeah. but uh, but yeah it was it proved a bit of a full storm for Ranieri but it also you know marked a complete change in the Chelsea Arsenal rivalry to, to the point where Arsenal couldn't beat Chelsea so I think that was a really remarkable game and a really significant one.
4: It's a great shout, Liam. I, I'll share this with you guys. I remember after that, um, that uh, on on my screensaver at work, I had a picture, not of the mental, absolute mental celebrations at the clock end with, with Crespo, Lampard, Ida, Wayne Bridge jumping into the crowd. It was, it was a brilliant, brilliant photograph. I'm sure most of you have seen it. No. Instead, my hatred of Arsenal was so immense at the time I chose the photograph of all of their players absolutely gutted, absolutely gutted at the end of that, and I had that on my screensaver for years because I had a lot of Arsenal supporters in the office, so <laughs> I would always have
3: that because <laughs> that's the kind of guy I am. Um, Tony, this is a, a tough one. I've I'd, I'd, I'd obviously read what the the email um, earlier on. Um, two two games really stand out. I suppose one of them is this season. In fact, I think I think it was the point where we thought, "Blimey, this could be something special." When that was um, our, and also because of who'd come back to the club that day, and that was our sort of destruction of Manchester United four 0 and goal after uh, thirty seconds from Pedro. Um, just, just fantastic, just utterly fantastic. You know, I think there wasn't a Chelsea fan in that ground who wasn't stunned. Absolutely stunned by that result because I, I, you know, anybody who'd gone out and had a bet on that is is was completely, utterly foolhardy on that score, but was actually probably going to be quids in. But I think the one goes back. Now I can't remember when this was, but the West Stand didn't have a roof on it, so it would be while well, the ground was being, you know, um, well, um, Ken was, you know, sort of building Chelsea Village or whatever, and it was a midweek game. It was against Aston Villa. Um, I I seem to recall we were 2-0 down and the second half was just end to end, i.e. from our end to their end, and we battered them. And it was starting to look like it was going to be England-Poland, 1974, You know when we were just absolutely smashing the shit out of them, but nothing would go in. And I think, as I recall, it was a 2-2 draw. We actually got the goals back, and it was just when the second goal went in... A guy next to me picked me up like I was the FA Cup and held me above it. Now, you've met me. I'm I'm short, but I'm not exactly. I haven't got the nimble balloon parked in the car park. Do you know what I mean? And uh, just to, <laughs> to, to actually have this just picked me up like I was a, a, a five-year-old or whatever, the joy, the sheer joy in the atmosphere uh, in the ground, but let alone in the West End, that had no roof on it was unbelievable. So I'll go with that one. It's my most memorable game. I had no voice when I came out of it, none at all. Uh,
4: yeah, that's a that's an excellent shot. I mean, I think this is the point that that uh, that Steve's making that you know don't go for the obvious ones. I mean, I'm going to limit limit it to games I was actually at, which I think is really the point. And I mean, you know, I've got a memory like a bloody sieve. And I mean, I you know I wasn't at the Liverpool four two, which I regret and will always regret, or or the Bruges or the Valencia in the in the cup when it's cup run but um two spring to mind recently which i just loved for all the right reasons uh the first i think is is napoli in in that uh in that european you know on the on the the march to european glory uh because it was just it was just so unexpected we were so you know we were abject weren't we if you remember and and robbie had just taken over nobody gave us a prayer Branagh bloody scored, for God's sake. But the atmosphere there that night, there was just such a will to win. I mean, I know they talk about that, as Tony would call it, arse gravy about the cops sucking in a goal. But we did it that night. I'm sure of it. I mean, it, it was just one of those wonderful occasions when the team, the club, the supporters were all absolutely in tune and and we, we you know, made sure we, we, we got through that night and that was fantastic. But another favourite, which I think is off-forgotten because, actually, it was in the same season and... Um, you know, very much overshadowed by by the, the European Cup journey. But it's the semi-final of the FA Cup, which, of course, we went on to win that year. And again, people seem to forget that. But the semi-final against Spurs, beating them 5-1 at Wembley and seeing them all disappear after 60 minutes has got to be one of the funniest and most surreal football games I've ever been at. <laughs> and I remember I was there with with, with Dr. Mart. I stood next to Dr. Mart, and I was with Stu Norman and Tell and we, I mean, I've never laughed so much at a game in my life. We were looking at each other and just looking at each other incredulously, and I have never laughed at a game so much, and I, I have to say, I really enjoyed that. So that would be that, if I was to pick the two, I'd have to go Napoli, really as number one, but I think the Spurs one deserves a mention. Anyway, Jonathan, we're waffling on. We've got lots of emails to get through, so I shall let you carry on.
0: Uh, this next one from, um, from uh, Craig Kidd. But he spells his name with an I. I spell mine with a Y. But I've been told by Irish relatives that uh, it was an affectation uh, done at the uh, end of the nineteenth uh, uh, century, and I'm really, a, I'm really a K I D D. So we're probably related, Craig. So that's nice to know. Mm-hmm. Anyway, you affected,
4: um, Jonathan. Never.
2: <laughs> what sorry, are you I'm doing?
0: Sorry, Yeah, sorry, start again. Uh, Evening, boys. I'm currently sat waiting for the Chelsea versus Leicester game and it's 4.20am as I'm an Englishman living in Sydney. Oh, dear. I just want to have my say on the Costa issue. First off, if the China rumours are true, I want him to do what's best for him as a person first and a footballer second. Yeah. I'm sick of all these Chelsea fans and other clubs fans slagging Costa off. If I got offered a job that would crazily increase my wages... I would be gone in a heartbeat. I think we should be thankful for the position he's left us and the Chelsea bank account in. We could buy a decent striker and quite possibly have change. I'd personally like to see Lukaku back or put a cheeky bid in for Douglas Costa or even Douglas Costa or even that guy, Texera, who went to China recently, I believe. If it turns out that Diego is interested, I just want to th- say thank you to the big guy. No one can argue with the commitment he's shown this season up till now and the title-winning season a few years ago. Now, time for kickoff. Come on, Chelsea. Cheers, boys. Keep up the good work. Craig Kidd. Well, I agree with him, Chidge. I said that earlier. I yeah. agree. Yeah. You know, if, uh, very reasonable, if, uh, very
4: reasonable, isn't it?
0: Very, very should we keep going? We've done that really. That, yeah, done, keep
2: going, uh, mate. Yeah.
0: Uh, this is from Andrew Baker Dear Chidge and the Gang, I'm a lifelong Chelsea supporter who has supported the club over land and sea and was fortunate enough to have been to, at Munich and Amsterdam. Last season really made me consider what it meant to be a Chelsea supporter. And to me, it's simple. Watching fantastic football of the highest quality in the best league in the world and in the best part of London. And most importantly, being able to share this experience with friends and family. Here, Overall, as a supporter, win, lose or draw, I only ask that every player that pulls on the shirt, plays for the badge on the front, and not the name on the back. I don't think anyone can truly say what happened with Diego, but I just love the way Conte has managed the situation and has kept it in the dressing room. Don Conte has made going to the bridge a pleasure again. He's reinventing our football club, a true class act and absolute gentleman. Under his coaching, everyone in the squad has improved technically this season, and this is the difference we're seeing in the league with displays like Everton and Leicester. We also have the magic ingredient that wins titles, team spirit, hard work and commitment, the very embodiment of Conte on the pitch. So anyone who doesn't want to pull on that blue shirt and play for the badge on the front and trust in Don Conte, if we can keep him, I see a very bright future for our club. Regards and
3: up the Chelsea, Andy. I did wonder how you were going to get through that last sentence, J.K. (laughs) That That, was that was was highly inventive, mate. That really was. It was quite tasteful. I thought he'd farted. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Don't fart anyone.
0: Exactly, exactly.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. (laughs) So, what do we reckon? What do we reckon about that one? Yeah, it was a nice little Another
4: very reason. Yeah. Yeah, reasonable, reasonable yeah. sense. They're all being very reasonable and sensible. Unlike the people on this show, apart from obviously Liam, who's the honourable exception. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, very good, Liam. What do you, what do you think about that? Do you do you echo those sentiments?
1: Yeah, I think that um, I, I can see I can see why fans would be uh, more concerned with Conte staying at the club long term because he hasn't yeah. put a foot wrong on the pitch or off it yet. And you've seen with what Spurs have been able to do uh under Pochettino and uh I know Arsenal have stagnated in recent years under Wenger but that that measure of stability at at, at that at that level if you find the right guy um keeping him can be can be very very productive and it would be hard to replace Costa because he's one of the top five strikers in the world but with the money that they could get for him it wouldn't be impossible you know Mm,
4: good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, Jonathan, I have a I have a suspicion that this this e- this next email is not so reasonable.
0: Indeed, Daniel <laughs> Cabral. It is Cabral, isn't it? How he pronounces it? Yeah. yeah. Um, from Daniel Cabral.
4: Hello, boys.
0: A great win and another three points to the Chelsea. But this weekend isn't about the Chelsea victory. It's about a Brazilian striker who wants to be Spanish, Diego Costa. Now, to be honest, <laughs> he should have gone in the summer with two others those players being Hazard and Courtois. Conte and Costa appeared to have a great relationship, but just as with Mourinho, we shouldn't be shocked there's been a falling out. Two years ago, we were league winners. Last year, we finished 10th with players not willing to play for the manager, the club, or the fans. And that's why I have zero respect for those players. We won league titles, FA Cups, Europa League and a Champions League without them, and will continue to do so. In order for Conte to succeed at Chelsea, he must sell those players in the summer or he will find himself in the same position Mourinho was in, with no support from the board or Roman. Do any of us want to see Conte heading to Arsenal because we choose players over managers? I could give you a list of players to replace these three, but I'm sure my email is already long enough. but when we do three things, those players uh, but when we do three things those players need: respect, discipline, maturity qualities every professional should have. I feel with Steve Holland off the joint Southgate, this is a great opportunity for JT to slide into that spot. Your friend in Only time if he's wearing his. Kids. Daniel Cabral.
4: <laughs> sorry, mate, I, I I couldn't resist and I interrupted you, but JT would obviously no. only slide in wearing his full kit. Um mm. blind to be, yeah, be
0: like to, to be fair to JT though, he was he was uh, the only way he could have celebrated winning the Champions League was to I wear know. the wear the kit, he was he was told that. I know. That was part of the, yeah, yeah. part no, of right, the law at the time. Fully, um, don't
4: let the truth get in the way of a good joke.
0: Uh, true, sorry, Chid, you're absolutely right. I apologize.
3: Daniel's off on one could, there, isn't he? He's not happy. But yeah, I, I think he's missed. The, Tony, their, what do you their, reckon? Their, you, you you well, you know, I I, I never wanted to sell Hazard. I, I always thought Courtois was a good goalkeeper with a uh, a poorly performing defence in front of him. Uh, and and, and you know, Costa. There were bigger problems. I think he's missed out on a lot of the. There's the, it's it's far more. Um, it's far grayer. The, 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 it's a much greyer area than just saying those players were the, the problem um, because they're patently not a problem this season. It, it, it's a bit knee-jerk for me. Um, and I think, Daniel, all due respect, I agree with you about JT. I'm not sure whether he's ready to slide into that spot um, in terms of qualifications. But for the rest of it, um, no. Um, you know, The last thing, I'll repeat it again. Um, they are bloody good players. And the last thing we need to be doing is what Mourinho did and sell bloody good players.
4: Hmm. Liam, very quickly on that I'd love to hear hear, I agree with that Um, Liam, I'd love to hear what you think about that very quickly
1: Well, if Chelsea had sold Costa, Hazard and Courtois uh, last summer they'd be nowhere near top of the table so you know I think if if, I always said that if it came down to a decision between uh, letting go of Hazard and letting go of Mourinho Mourinho should be the one to go because the hardest thing even as an elite club, is finding elite talent. And as much as we, you know, as much as some people don't like player power, it exists. It's it's the dominant force in this sport now. Um, yeah. And I think Conte is proof that the manager is, it, is easier to replace. He's a much better fit with this group of players and he understands that he has to, he can't just treat everyone the same. He has to you know he has to manage what he has and adapt adapt to what he has and he's done that very very cleverly even with this cost of fallout so i think um you know that's the art of modern management management is catering to these to these personalities and he's getting the best out of them this season
4: that's a very good point i mean I have to be honest one thing i mean i i i, I you know I, I get i get daniel's sentiment uh quite clearly and 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 i and I sympathize with it and i i think particularly in terms of professionalism and you know something, obviously, that is the hallmark of the Chelsea fan cast being respect, discipline, and maturity. <coughs> um, well, I do, I do, get what you, I do get what you say. Oh God, you're get you're slowing down, you lot. Honestly, blimey. Anyway, uh, oh, dear. Uh, I mean, what I would say, yes, indeed. You know what? What I, I can't remember what I was going to say now, so I'll just shut up. Actually, there we go. I've just completely ruined what I said about having respect, discipline, and maturity. I can't even remember what I was going to say. Um, I'm. What was I going to say? Is it gonna come back? Hmm, I wonder. Uh oh I know what I was gonna say. Yeah. Kerry Kerry says Kerry Dixon says this to me nearly every week on the on the podcast that I do with him. And he says, Chidge, it's players. Players win matches. It's not formations, it's not managers, it's players that win matches. So I think I'm inclined to agree with what Liam said, is that, you know, great players are hard to find. So I think he's right. I think the way that it works uh, in the modern game is you need to, to get a manager who can get the best out of those players. But then again, you could say it was, was ever thus, couldn't you, Jonathan? We should really read the next email. I think.
0: Now this is from Warren Galley. There's an error in this, which, uh, I won't Uh-oh. point. I won't point <laughs> out, which I, you need to point out at the end. All right. Okay. Um, okay. This is uh, for anybody listening. If, what you can yeah, say, yeah, uh, something about, um, I won't, I won't give it away. Anyway, um, from Warren Galley. Uh, Hi, Chidge and the boys. A warm, literally, hello from South Africa. Just an email Cetifrica. to say thank you. Africa. Uh, I was prompted to write this email based on the email you read out two weeks ago about being a fan and what classifies you as proper Chelsea. Being a Chelsea fan Chelsea. out here, you tend to cut a solitary figure. We're not the most popular side. And any Chelsea fans are often cast off as glory supporters, which, based on last season... Is ludicrous I'm a relatively young Chelsea fan But Terry defending a free kick With his face in the Oh no I'm wrong I'm wrong I'm sorry I'm, I'm wrong I was thinking that this is the next sentence I'm completely wrong he's right I'm a relatively young Chelsea fan But Terry defending a free kick with his face In the 2008 Champions League Final had me hooked Anyway back to my thank you You lot are the only way that I get to keep up With club news and hear the opinions Of other fans of the club I've grown to love It's my absolute dream to get to London, get to the bridge and have a pint with some other Chelsea fans. I have one more question for all of you based on Costa's rumoured push to leave. With Terry destined for the old folks home next season and guys like Lampard and were long gone, are the days of club legends finished? It seems that all clubs now face the prospect of players there to fill their pockets first and display passion for the club they are with second. Sorry, passion for the club There, with second. Is this just a symptom of the modern game or is there something to be done to fix this? Thanks for the great work you boys do for the fans of the club that we all love so much. Keep the blue flag flying high, Warren Galley. Uh, sorry about that. I was thinking about the 2012 no. Champions League final, not the 2008 one, and I got confused. But yeah, absolutely right. I remember that. Yes. Um, well, actually, JT, do you know
4: what? Uh, do you know what, Jonathan? Do you know what Jonathan? I was thinking yeah. of the I was thinking of the Carling Cup final against Arsenal. But uh, anyway, but I think you're right. He's right. Um, can I pull rank here because I've got an answer to this? Because this has been something that's been on my mind for a while. Um, I remember a few shows ago we were extolling the virtues of Diego Costa and what a great uh, striker he is. And I think the tenet of the of, of, of the theme really of what we were saying was that uh, you know he has. He has the capability, he has the skill. He's clearly adapted his game this year to the demands of the Premier League. And he has, you know, everything really uh, that one needs to be as great a player for this club, score as many goals as Didier Drogba did, win as many trophies as Didier Drogba did. You know, Didier Drogba, arguably arguably the greatest striker we've ever had, won the lot, you know, and an incredible player, incredible leader and all the rest of it. And Diego Costa, we all felt, could be the next Drogba uh I think this week has proved that that ain't going to happen um and therefore I'm inclined to agree I'm inclined to agree with uh, with Warren that uh, I think maybe you know those days are gone you know I mean Drogba was with us for about 9 years all all told how many times are we going to see a player stay at a club that long maybe the JT's the Lamps the Drogbas are the last of that breed it's a, it's an interesting point Tony
3: I'd love your view on that very quickly it's it's like I said earlier I think Football changes as generation changes, a generation's change, and um, you know uh, people aren't brought up today. That that you know we live we. That, I don't sound like a miserable bastard, but we did grow up in that career for life kind of thing, didn't we? Job for life. Go and get a bank job. You know you'll be in a job for life. You know and, and that sort of stuff, and it's different. And I don't see why football would be any different. And um, money yeah. speaks so much. I think you're right. I think um, the days when you get a one club player. Are become will become fewer uh, further between. And you may get you know we're still trying to bring through youngsters and you may get um, someone who comes through the, the the ranks or whatever who decides you know that, that Chelsea is the club for them. But it's very difficult these days if they make a name, for themselves and I take Eden Hazard for a start. I mean I think if he has a, a good season this season, which he's already having, and next season, he's going to find it incredibly hard to resist the temptation of Barcelona or Real Madrid for money, but not only that, for climate, for lifestyle, you know, it, it, it would be very tempting for any youngster and also to spread their wings and learn more. I mean, you know, I think given that these days, if you or I, Chidge or JK or probably Liam were Twenty years old, extraordinarily talented at what we do, we would probably be hawking ourselves around Europe as well. Um, you know, when they come looking the headhunters, I'm still, et I'm still
4: trying. I'm still trying to do that, and I'm 52.
3: Yes, exactly. <laughs> I think you know, but it's a it's a fair point. I think uh, football fans are, are, are probably we go back to that loyalty thing, and, and uh, almost football fans are quite luddite. Ish, if you like, in in their attitude towards things, they like things as they were. Saturday, three o'clock kickoffs, cup of bovril before the game, and and it's changed, and it will continue to change, and and maybe 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 we're getting left behind, simply as nature would intend.
4: Never, Never. sorry to uh, I'll fight a, to the better
3: end. <laughs>
4: I'll fight them on the <laughs> beaches. I'll fight them in the pubs. Never <laughs> happened to me, mate. I've got eternal youth. That's why I drink so much Guinness. It's good for your skin <laughs> or something like that uh right so i have to we've really got to really whiz through, through
0: the rest. You have got to What? Well, i, was, I, was I felt a bit neutered felt like a neutered old cat then after what you just said then tony
3: <laughs> didn't really um, like that just just
2: somebody
0: just cut my bollocks off just then in there. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> okay oh,
4: never mind listen uh-huh. we've we really got to whiz through the rest of this because we are way over time because we've all been enjoying it too much and waffling on um I'm, I don't know why I'm apologising. I'm just hoping that the listener will appreciate that. Uh, but I, what I have to say, first of all, brilliantly uh, read Jonathan, as always, the highlight of the show for me. Uh, thank you to the boys for their contributions therein. Uh, we love, as you can tell, we love receiving your emails, and we will always try and read them out. Uh, we are a democracy on this show. Don't let anybody tell you it's a, d- a chidocracy. It's not true. Uh, so anyway, if you, if you want to get your email read out, send it to chelseafancast at gmail.com. Very simple. Now, uh, I've got some very, a couple of very, I'm sorry that this has come right at the end of the show, really. These these are so important. They probably warranted uh, being shoved up the show a bit. But uh, say Levy, Um The first one, which I'm sure a lot of uh, people listening to the show will be aware of. But uh, on Saturday, the 3rd of December, Carlo O'Brien, known to many people around Chelsea circles as Wurzel, was violently attacked answering his communal front door in the early hours of the morning. Uh, He sustained severe head injuries and after brain surgery, unfortunately, never regained consciousness. Uh, He very sadly passed away on the 23rd of December uh, last year. Now, Carl uh, will obviously be greatly missed by his family and hundreds of friends. And obviously, um, we on the Chelsea Fancast would like to extend our condolences to his friends and family. So rest in peace, Wurzel. Now, his friends and family are at the moment fundraising for his beloved granddaughter, Lily. Uh, Now, to contribute towards her future, as her proud grandfather Carl would have done, uh, it doesn't matter how big or small the donation, even a share of the page would be fantastic, but you can find that at uh, justgiving.com forward slash crowdfunding forward slash Wurzel, and that's W-U-R-Z-E-L, for those of you who would struggle with that spelling, like me. Uh, now in addition to this we're trying to get a round of and this is also very important this is something you can do tangibly actually and I mean I'd encourage everybody to try and get this going but in addition uh, we're trying to get a round of applause going on the 55th minute of the whole game on Sunday as a tribute to Carl so please please join in and also help get us get the word out if you're on Twitter and stuff get the word out let people know and let's hope we can give Carl the tribute that he deserves so here here to that. Now, final, final bit of uh, stuff to let you know is the Chelsea Old Boys versus the Rangers Old Boys. Now, the Rangers Legends versus Chelsea Old Boys match will be at Sutton United Football Club, and it'll be on Saturday the 17th of June at 3pm. The official launch with ticket details, hospitality, sponsorship, etc., will be on Friday the 3rd of February. Uh, for Chelsea, uh, Dave Besant, Ken Monkow, Kerry Dixon, Jody Morris, Paul Canneville. Torre Andre Flo and Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank will be playing, to name a few. Now, that is a lineup, isn't it? What a mix of uh, ages and eras there. And for Rangers, Gordon, uh, Gordon Jury, Jukebox, will be playing. Also, ex-Chelsea, of course. Uh, Alex Ray, Marco Negri, Mark Falco, uh, Charlie Miller, to name but a few. Uh, so, it's good. it sounds like a cracking, cracking do this. It's well worth going to. Now, uh, Mark Prothero also they're, oh, they're, they're- Really? also Chelsea.
0: God, he was, was
2: yeah.
0: A sub as a substitute yeah. for a month. That's, Not substitute, yeah. as, a, See, was, as a low knee. Low knee for a yeah.
4: month. God, well, good memory, uh, JK. Sounds like a cracking, cracking do this. There's a pre-match lunch for those that are interested. Match tickets. Uh, now, I mean, I know a few of the Rangers boys who come down and watch Chelsea. I that, I don't think I've ever seen anybody drink quite like them. So, if a lot of them come down, you're in for a bloody drunken time that's for sure um so anyway match tickets uh, for terracing is 12 quid for adults six quid for kids seats are 15 quid or seven pounds 50 for children uh, any queries don't hesitate to ask at rangers underscore Bogner, who you will find on twitter so there we go um well yeah, that sounds great that anyway right that's all we've got time for this week uh we have probably massively outstayed our welcome it's a bit of a long never mind the quality feel the length i think is how you could uh, call this show <laughs> Uh, But anyway, moving on, Uh, oh dear, titter you not, Uh, make sure you download the next Kerry Dixon preview show this Thursday when Kerry and I will be previewing the whole game, and no doubt talking about Costa as I've already said, and of course I'll be back next Monday night together with Jonathan and Dan Silver and one other guest yet to be decided, Uh, largely because I haven't phoned them up yet, but we'll have four people, don't you worry about that. Now, don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Chelsea Fancast, me at Stanford Chidge, uh, Jonathan at Jonathan Kidd, Tony at GrocerJackUK, and the fabulous Liam at LiamTumie, which is T W O M E Y for those of you who don't know. And of course, check out the website, ChelseaFancast.com. Uh, and many thanks, by the way, to the Chelsea Fancast bloggers who have been very active recently, and I'm very proud of them for doing so. In fact, I'm very proud of Clayton, who finally has figured out how to post his own blog. I think round of applause for Clayton for that, actually. Yeah, well done, Clayton. <laughs> well done, mate. Yeah, you can't, I can't wait till he's back on the show and I can rib him about that mercilessly. But well done, Clayton. And cracking blog too. He's written all about Costa. So go and check that out. Uh, great stuff. Right. Many thanks to my lovely guests this week who have been the Rev- the right
3: reverend Tony Glover. Thank you. It's been a pleasure again, mate. And I'll hopefully see you before the game on Sunday.
4: Uh, I will be seeing you in the cock. Uh, uh, What was Walter likes to call it? The Uh, cock in hand. Uh, Yes, that's
3: it. Yes, it's actually called the cock in hand. Is is it really? I just thought it was called. They're taking the piss. um, They're taking the piss. A bit of pre-match. Literally, pre-match cock is uh, is always a bit of a, uh, a laugh. You
4: know, I, lo- I love a bit of cock with all my mates on a, on a, on a you the, know, day uh, before the game. You
3: know,
2: go. This always goes down streets. this road.
4: Always goes down this road. Never <laughs> a, fails a to get tittering. Cock. Oh, dear. Terrible, are we? Anyway, cock. yeah, so look, I will see you in the cock, Tony, of course. Uh, Jonathan, it's been fabulous having you on the show as always, my darling. Uh, we won't see I'd you in the pub for one because you'll be enjoying the fine hospitality of Chelsea Football Club, won't you?
0: I will be indeed in Aussie's. With, uh, with yeah. the same people I've been for the last 30 years.
4: <laughs> Marvelous. I'm very delighted to, uh, to hear that. And uh, I very look forward to my. I, well, I, I say this every week, Jonathan. I look forward to my invo- invite back there, but I, I sense that uh, I've not yet been forgiven for my behavior the last time, which was two years ago. <laughs> no, no,
2: no, Chid,
0: Chid
4: you're, on, you're on a list. You're on a list. You're at the bottom, but you're I'm on, on a, a list. list. <laughs> don't tell me you've got a, a, a Jonathan Kidd hospitality schedule. That's that's massively impressive, I have to say. I
0: go through them and I go through the pros and cons, you know, each
4: time. You know. I've, I know, I know we're we're running over so horribly tonight. I've kind of really just given up and don't care anymore. And and as a result, I'm going to read out Nikki Kilduff's hilarious post on Mixler, uh, which I'm going to direct at Tony. But he says, "Has anyone ever been
3: punched in the cock?" Oh, oh, blimey! Um, uh, no, I don't recall everybody. I, I, in the pub, no. <laughs> no, 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 it's it's a it's a that's pleasant I, pub. Nicky.
4: That's all I we, can say. You know, we don't have hooligan behaviour yes. like that in the cock. It's all very no, no, pleasant. no. It's it's I,
3: it's, a, it's a it's a league of gentlemen.
4: It is. I would say that the behaviour in the cock is actually quite flaccid, to be honest. Anyway, uh, moving on. <laughs> Moving on before Tony completely self combusts and Liam uh, vows never to appear on the Chelsea fancast again, or even speak to me, or, or or hold me in the esteem and respect of that the uh, yes, the the so-called uh, chairman of the supporters trust should should actually warrant. And he's now found out that it's all untrue. I have to say, Liam, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show tonight, and and it's it's really it's great for. I'm sure the lads would also agree, but. You know, to have somebody who has your insight and and who's at the the press conferences every week, it's been a real pleasure and a joy. So, thank you so much for
1: coming on. No, thanks a lot, guys. That, it's an absolute pleasure. I always enjoy talking with you, and hopefully, good we can do it stuff. again soon. I would, I would, I would
4: love that, and I'm sure these two would love you back on as soon as we can. It's been a real pleasure, hasn't it, chaps?
0: It has. Wonderful. Great. Thank you, Liam. We have Indeed. much to very, but he's been a, he's been a an oasis of sanity amidst the desert of all <laughs> Indeed.
3: Indeed. <laughs>
4: <laughs> yes, I think he's done what they generally called in broadcasting terms, he's held the show together uh, against all the odds. <laughs> but no, Liam, brilliant, uh, brilliant to have you on the show. Really, really grateful. It's been a cracker tonight. I've massively enjoyed it. I hope you lot out there have as well, even though we've all been a bit silly uh, it does happen occasionally, and I, I apologise uh, for anybody who doesn't like the show when it's silly, but there you go, such is life. Uh, as I said, many thanks to my tremendous guests this week. Massive thanks to you lot in Mixler for amusing me throughout the evening and bearing with us. And of course thank you everybody who's going to listen to the podcast in a... Well, I'm going to have some dinner first, I think, and then I'll get the podcast up. But anyway, thank you lot for listening. See you next time. Until then, keep it blue, keep it carefree, and keep it chills. Up the chills! Up the chills!